It's week three, and the Miami Dolphins are winning the Super Bowl. But we've got some charts to show you how it can be applicable for your fantasy teams. This is Stat Chasing. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is why I'm hot. Anita hand, hand job. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Darius Tony? You can't handle the heat. He looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> Good evening, Drico. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed week three as much as I did because I was... Uh, shouting from the rooftops about my Miami bags was feeling very excited about that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely a good week to be uh, to be on at uh, Miami. Um, definitely, and a, a nice little boost to the, to the uh, standing uh, advance rates, even if they are meaningless in uh, week three. Oh yeah, I'm definitely calculating my advance rates each week. Uh, just watching <laughs> I'm them totally slowly. Doing that slowly tick up i mean if you're not doing it are you really do you really consider yourself a best ball sicko if you're not feverishly right. checking your advance rates not even at the end of the week but like at the end of every window of every game <laughs> like because that ffpc is like so like archaic and then i have like a little spreadsheet that i can see like which teams are scoring like what 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 each team has scored so far because you actually have to calculate that uh like <laughs> So totally degenerate behavior. Yeah, fortunately for my, the DraftKings ones are the ones that are the most difficult for like, there's no way I'm going to go through by hand and count up all the DraftKings ones that are advancing and not advancing. But thankfully Spike Week has a a tool for that. So I I saved myself some time manually counting teams there. But uh, before we dive into the charts today, I just need to take the L as the biggest professional musher. I think, I mean... I, I haven't been a musher before. I think it's just being part of the ship chasing universe. Now you're a content creator. I, I inherited the mush, dude, because the Dallas Cowboys just got absolutely mushed to death after <laughs> after me singing their praises last week. I think I, I said CD Lamb is moving up and to the right on the uh, wide receiver charts. We're, we're going to see that that didn't age super well. Uh, I think I said doomsday defense that also did not age well. We had Josh. I remember I was saying like, like, I remember I was like, Oh, well we don't really like, what if these players that they played are bad? And you're like, no dude, this defense is that good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm King musher. Um, there (laughs) There were a couple other mushes that I had that, I mean, Puka, I know Puka was injured going into this week, but I was, I was, you know, ready to call Puka the second coming of Cooper Cup and uh, mushed, mushed him pretty good. Um, so, in the interest of a reverse mush, uh, Kenry Miller teams—they're just dead. Nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Kenry, yeah, Kenry's done, guys. So, uh, pack it up. Yeah, absolutely. Cut Kenry in all formats. Unplayable. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. So, um, like last week, we're looking at this. This is mainly an efficiency chart, and we've got a uh, adjusted yards per attempt, which um, it re- it's like a yards per attempt, but it, it rewards touchdowns and uh, and and punishes interceptions, and and roughly in the same weight as an, an EPA chart would. 
but just a yard per attempt is more intuitive. And then touchdown rate for the intuitive and the size of the bubble is uh, is how much rushing yards uh, they have. And, and with the scale on, on the left here, indicating what 100 yards uh, a game looks like. Excellent chart summary here. Um, my immediate takeaways is I believe that Tua is him. Uh, previously, we had Jordan Love over in that uh, area of the chart where Tua existed, but he came back down to earth this week. He finally did not throw three touchdowns in a game. So he uh, he started to see his touchdown rate and adjusted yards per attempt regress back a little bit. Um, but Tua, Tua looks like him, uh, looking like probably the best quarterback pick in, in all of basketball drafts. Uh, and we'll, uh, we won't, we won't go too much into where he should go in resurrection. Cause I think we've got a, a special treat at the end of the charts today that I'll, I'll we don't want to tip our hands teaser. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other, the other guys I noticed on this chart and now that we have a couple games of sample, I'm starting to look for guys that I think might be potentially undervalued by the market um, or like prime for a good bounce back spot. I still think that Lamar is a good candidate for outperforming how he has been doing this past week. He did score you a lot of fantasy points. He just did it all through the ground. He rushed for over a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, he certainly got there, but he didn't bring any weapons along with him. Uh, I think that you're just waiting for that week where the passing game clicks for Baltimore and Lamar gets a little bit more done through the air and adds some on the ground and you can get one of those truly massive weeks. Um, the other one that you, I, I, Oh, go any ahead. Any concern about that? Well, maybe actually, you know what? Let's, let's save uh, the receivers questions and, and talks to, uh, to that part of the chart. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I know where you're going with that one. And yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll definitely touch on that. Um, I, I think CJ Stroud, um, my, my early CJ Stroud take is looking like it's going to age pretty well. Um, he's airing it out and doing pretty well. And when I'm looking for guys on these charts that, uh, that I like as a potential target or someone that, that could have like a spike week disproportionate to what their previous weekly scoring has looked like, I'm looking for guys in that top right quadrant, but more you know, closely aligned with that uh, that red dotted line for TD rate. So like Stroud, Purdy, Geno Smith, Baker, uh, Justin Herbert, guys that are still getting pretty good adjusted yards per attempt, but having a relatively low touchdown rate for how high their yards per attempt is. Um, to me, that's what I want to be looking at when I'm looking for people with potential for a really big game. And uh just to keep with the trend of the early look ahead. I like Justin Herbert for this next week against Las Vegas. Um, and I mean, my goodness, that's probably going to be the most consolidated target tree you could imagine. It's like the dream for fantasy. It's, it's just going to be the Keenan Allen show. So I, I really like that spot this week. Um, I think uh, just, just to back up on that uh, CJ Stroud, I think the way I'm looking at this is that like, Hey, he's a pocket passer who's actually been scoring decent points, but um, in terms of like efficiency, touchdown efficiency, he's been a, a pocket passer putting up points without touchdown efficiency, which is sort of nuts. Like if, if, um, if he can keep up this kind of like yardage production, like he should have some monster passing games. Like obviously caveat, uh, it's tr true three weeks uh, of an NFL season, but 
that I, I think I think that looks super interesting. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Stroud, Stroud, I really like. Uh, he he would be someone that I would uh, consider targeting in resurrection if he's still going cheap. For sure. Uh, any guys that stood out to you on the chart, either as uh, intriguing buy low candidates or people that you're a little worried now that we've got three weeks of data that there may be a little more sticking power to the trends? Um, obviously a little worried to see uh, somehow have, having uh, produced kind of like so poorly. Uh, he's in the, I, I, I don't like to see uh, guys I was excited about in the Zach Wilson section of the chart. Um. I do know. I, one, I guess one note about it uh, was that they were they were trailing pretty heavily, and so quarterbacks they can uh, they do have to they have to throw more aggressively. They have to take more risks, and um, those interceptions they sort of like they come with happen to, uh, to to throw deep and throw aggressively when you're uh, when you're losing. Um, so I, I I'm I'm starting to get a a, a, smid, a smidge concerned with how, um, but not that certainly not throwing in the towel. Still excited because you you are still getting like, even uh you you still are getting sort of aggressive throws. You're still getting uh rushing production, um, but I'm I'm starting to reassess I I'm starting to reassess how I see that offense, where, you know I. It, it it would be I think a win at this stage if uh, the the commanders are sort of like league average as an offense. Yeah, Howell was definitely concerning this week. Um, they were they were trailing pretty heavily and against a good Bills defense, but he took a pretty significant number of sacks um, and he threw a lot of interceptions. Uh, he was he was still throwing deep and and being aggressive when they were behind. So you like to see that. Um, you know he's not he's not doing the you know I'm just going to hide and get me out of this game type thing when uh, when he's in a bad spot. So at least there's that that's encouraging. Um, but yeah, I I'm adjusting my priors on Howell now and looking at him as. He can still produce spike weeks. Um, the rushing so far has not been as much as you would have liked. Um, you know, the the thesis was, oh, he can add a little with his legs. And so it hasn't been as much as you would have liked. Um, I think he's still, you know, capable of producing a spike week here and there, uh, just with the quality of the weapons around him. And he, he is willing to push the ball downfield. Um, but I am probably taking Sam Howell either with elite quarterbacks that have very low downside deviation or I'm taking him in three quarterback builds. Now I'm not doing very much of the, uh, the two quarterback Howell builds where it's one guy like say a Geno Smith or a Dak Prescott plus Howell. I I'm going to be more prone to taking three if he's my, my QB three there. Uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, sad, sad to see. Um, but yeah, you, you, you have to adjust as well. Uh, there is there is one more I had before we move on, um, and that's Trevor Lawrence is is definitely concerning. Um, his success rate was still fine, but his EPA was really poor. Um, so I think he's getting a little bit unlucky, but it's not super encouraging to see 
this quote unquote generational prospect, you know, Andrew Luck level quarterback struggling so much with, you know, the weapons that he has around him um, in a game where, you know, frankly, people, people had them as a, you know, pretty strong favorite and they did not look good. So I'm definitely concerned about Lawrence. I think that his, uh, his ADP over the summer obviously got to just irrational exuberance levels, which is why I didn't end up with a ton of him. Um, but I would, I would firmly expect him to fall a bunch in resurrection and the market might even overcorrect on him. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think, I think we've seen enough so far this season with Lawrence to, to know that like 5,000 yards passing is probably, uh, that's wish casting at this point for a Trevor Lawrence outcome this season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And just looking at some of the numbers here. Like I, I was just sort of doubting uh, Sam Howell, but if you take out uh, the interceptions and you're just looking at a uh, yard per attempt, and, and I, I guess you can't really do that, but let's say we just say interceptions game to game are a bit volatile. And Sam Howell, he has 6.8 yards per attempt. Trevor Lawrence, 6.5. They each have three passing touchdowns. Um, and the only real difference is the five picks to, to just two picks. And I mean that I, I'm obviously I'm obviously being uh, not quite correct here, but it just it reinforces the point to me that uh, just hasn't been very good. Yeah, that's I think that's a good comparison just to kind of show this is where this is the tier and echelon he's been in, and that's that's why he shows up in the quadrant of the chart. Yeah, that he shows up in. Yeah, agreed. Um. So yeah, we did uh, we did have a tease we wanted to do um, after the charts. So we're gonna move through a little bit more quickly this week. And um, moving on to the Orby snaps and usage charts. And so in in the green section we've got rush attempts. Yellow is roots. And blue we've got pass blocking. And gray we've got run blocking. And so everybody, and this is also scaled to as a percentage of the team's offensive snaps. And everybody knows green roots rushes for running back normally good. Uh, roots you want to see you want to see your your running back running a ton of roots, and then pass block is not a it's not quite useless because it does show that the team trusts them. And um, but you don't accrue any fantasy points in uh, in the leagues that I play in uh, for blocking uh, and run blocking is obviously pure garbage useless. Uh, good, good summary here. And uh, at the top of the chart, just as we all predicted and how we were drafting over the summer, Kyron Williams and Zach Moss have the best running back roles in the entire NFL. Okay, and that's the end of this chart section. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other ones that Rashad White is still getting a really good role. We might Rashad White isn't good. He's uh, you know he's way under. Uh, expectation his rushing yards over expectation he's, he's still very negative but uh he's at least getting a role so like as a as a floor play or like a i don't know where he's going to go in resurrection i'm not sure how the market feels about rashad white but maybe as like a zero rb guy to make sure you're not getting zeros uh he's interesting um other roles that i thought were were noteworthy here um we did see James Connors' role shrink a little bit um, in favor 
of Keontae Ingram this week. So that was interesting. Um, wondering if that's going to be a trend over the season as we see more Ingram work uh, as the season goes along, or if it was just a product of them just sticking it to the Cowboys. Um, yeah, I mean, James Conner, he is older. Uh, it seems like he's playing decently well or, or better than I expected. Um, but that is interesting um, that Keontae Ingram is uh, is eating into his uh, in, into his snaps. The, and, and that's, that's one of those things that it's super hard to call. Uh, you don't know, like, is Keontae Ingram playing well? Or... Are, are, have they just sort of decided that, like, yeah, you know, like James Conner, we can't play him on the field, like, every down? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think we need more sample to know for sure um, if that's going to be something that continues going forward or if that was just a little noisy this week. Um, but it's definitely something I want to monitor. Um, it, it can make Keontae Ingram uh, an interesting, you know, last-round dart throw, potentially. Um, just yeah. A, you know, just to sprinkle in here and there. Um, other guys uh, that I thought were interesting, uh, we're, we're starting to see Swift climb up the charts more now that he's got two games of actually getting work. Um, he's now over Kenny Gainwell. Um, he's, he, uh, you know, is still getting a pretty good amount of work. Um, the charts aren't going to totally reflect it because we've got week one in there where he didn't get anything yet but I would anticipate him continuing to rise on this chart. Um, and I would, I would think Gainwell probably gets bumped to the backup chart before too many weeks here. Um, if this usage split continues from this last week. Yeah. Um, I, I just flipped it to, um, um, if, uh, if you did just use week two or, or if you exclude week one, then, um, um, DeAndre Swift would then be, he would be 14th on this chart. So right around that, uh, right around Ramondre. And, yeah, Raheem Mostert area. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that, that feels like, a, that feels like a fair expectation uh, going forward where he's 54% uh, of the useful snaps. And, and, and yeah. And, 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 and you hope that the, the talent keeps him there and, and that, he actually like outperforms because of the, the ridiculous efficiency. Uh, one that I noticed this week that I had a, a question for you on was we saw the role delineation in the Washington backfield get really, really stark um, when they were trailing heavily. And that's Antonio Gibson ran like almost all of the routes and, and Brian Robinson just, he, he was just only out there running routes, you know, in name only. It wasn't, it wasn't really like, Hey, we're we're having him run routes because we want to get him active in the passing game. Is well, it's a passing play, and he's on the field, so he might as well run a route. Um, but Antonio Gibson was a lot more involved in the passing game. I'm wondering, do you think that's going to be sticky going forward? Was it just a product of the game script? Uh, what are your thoughts on that backfield and how it's shaken out? Um, it's I thought that is something where it's super hard. It's like really tempting to say, listen, um. The uh, the the Washington Commanders they've seen what they uh, they've seen what Brian Robinson can do as a as a receiver and and they don't like it and and so they're putting in um, they're putting in Antonio Gibson and but I'm I'm 
having a, still a hard time with that because we are th th that is one thing where we're dealing with such small samples um and it's i think it's like you said like you said previously that uh it's it's interesting you want to monitor it and if, if if you're getting a market that is just leaving antonio gibson for dead like you you've got all the reason to, to like take a cheap antonio gibson and um, but i I certainly wouldn't want to be paying for it. Like that's going to be the case going forward. Yeah, uh, very, very well put. That was that was my take on it as well. Like if the market's willing to give him to me for free, that's an interesting piece. Um, but yeah, I don't don't really want to pay up for it. Um, anyone that you noticed on this usage chart, uh, you know, trends that you're interested in going forward. Um, what is interesting? I think. It, it it is a little bit interesting that uh, Joe Mixon has held on to such a uh, a strong role, and it, it, it this uh, this feels a little bit stronger than than uh, the market was expecting, and, and and what they had for him last year, and it does sort of suggest to me that the reason that he took a little bit of a backseat on passing downs towards the end of last year was actually the Bengals liked P Ryan, and it it wasn't such a uh, indictment on uh, Mixon and I'm definitely um barring an injury I'm definitely not as excited with my uh my backup Bengals running backs and um, they don't feel nearly as good as, as they did before uh the season started okay interesting I was gonna ask you how you felt about Travion Williams because it does look like he is emerging as the clear two to mix in right night I know he's he's hung on the roster for a while and they were willing to let P Ryan go so I kind of by process of elimination had decided they probably like Travion Williams at least enough clearly they don't like him as much as Samaj P Ryan or he would have been playing more last right season, right um so he's somewhere in between you know Samaj P Ryan and all the other backs on the depth chart but they did like Samaj P. Ryan more than Joe Mixon in the passing game. And honestly, yeah. they kind of seemed like they liked him just better in general um, in the playoffs. You know, Samaj P. Ryan was, was out snapping Mixon when it mattered the most, when the chips were down. So to me, I thought there was a path, albeit a thin one, for Travion to work his way in and, and get some more opportunity in this offense. Um so how how do you view Travion specifically in this backfield going forward? Um, I think that's a good point that um that he's he is the clear number two over those other guys, and I mean if if he can if he can eat into uh, mix and share, it doesn't take that much. Um, it doesn't take that much in in that type of offense. Well. I, I should I should caveat that <laughs> it, it it last year it wouldn't have taken that much for it to be valuable this year uh it, it it's not it's not nearly as valuable so far with uh, with Joe uh, uh Joe Burrow injured and, and and the offense not playing as well and so it's it, it it sort of feels like you are uh you are doing a sort of tricky parlay where uh you need the offense to get better and you do need them to consolidate um. A little bit more in terms of like um what you call it in in terms of 
usage. Just just for example, the uh, the Bengals. I, I forget how many times they they threw uh, last night, but I know they threw quite a bit. And uh, Travion had just seven routes. So you you really do need that share to go grow uh, quite a uh, quite a bit. I think. Yeah. So sounds like 18th round dart throw only on Travion yeah. and, and not yeah. someone that you're very acceptable in. 18 round dart throw. But, but you're, honestly, you're not look, coming in super overweight Travion or anything expecting no. much from him. That's just. Yeah, you just need you need a couple of things to break your way. And it it, it doesn't feel that it doesn't feel like I said, it doesn't feel as strong as it did before. Where, 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 what's your take on it? It sounds like you might be the uh, the opposite. No, no, I'm 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 kind of with you that uh, I'm not terribly optimistic about Travion going forward, but I think the way to play that backfield is probably through Travion. Um, yeah, I, I don't yeah, know I what the I don't know what the Mixon price is going to be. If if people are letting Mixon go for for cheap, I'm interested just in in the role in the event that Travion just never is able to get much work or get on the field, and Mixon just has this incredible role. Then I'm interested if he's cheap, uh, but if he's still relatively expensive or going like in that, that dead zone range. Um, I'll probably just opt out of Mixon and take a couple random dart throws on Travion. See if it breaks my way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree there. I definitely agree with that approach. Um love to see uh, Bijan continue up in the, uh, in the sort of workhorsey section of the chart. And um, we, uh, <laughs> we still see still up. Have Deion Jackson here. I uh, that's on me to to take him out. Yeah, my um, my apologies. We'll we'll uh, nix Deion Jackson next week in the charts. I can I can exclude him. Um, but no nobody else here is like seriously like other than like what we've already talked about. Um, I'm not seeing I, I'm not seeing anybody else here. Um, I mean Ramondre is right around where we'd have expected him to be. It's a bit interesting that Madison has held on to his uh, stronger snap rate and that the Vikings, they for somehow haven't been able to find anyone better than him. And See, he did he did finally put together a decent uh, game this week. I mean, he didn't he didn't look great again and had honestly what should have been a fumble. Um, I believe they they reviewed it for forward progress and ruled him down, which my goodness, can we just get like any kind of consistency in what we can and cannot review? And like, I thought forward progress was virtually unreviewable. It's just based on the whistle, right? Like we can't, but apparently we can review that. We can't review pass interference. Uh, it's just the officiating in this league is very silly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, that, uh, that is uh, a bit strange. Um, but yeah, I, I I think we've sort of like I I don't I don't think there's anybody emerging here, um, that wouldn't have expected. Like obviously, no, I, th- I think most of the trends are holding that we discussed. Um, Dam- Damian Pierce continuing to migrate towards the bottom. That's like uh, get it get out while you can on your Damian Pierce if you can get anything for him. Yeah, agreed. And so let's um let's go to the backup section of the chart. Um, and super, um, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a bit disheartening, um, uh, seeing, uh, seeing some of the names of the top Javante, but to be honest with, with the injury, that's sort of to be expected. 
Um, I know Jameer Gibbs, he's been running a, he, he, he did run quite a lot of routes in, in week two, and then he sort of came back a bit in week three, which is also a bit disappointing. You know what's the weirdest thing to me about Gibbs is I, I thought with no Montgomery, um, you know, he'd increase his opportunities on the ground. But I, I thought just by virtue of having him on the field more, they would end up, you know, throwing to him a ton. He, he'd get even more targets. Um, but that really wasn't the case. He uh, he was much more involved on the ground than I anticipated and less involved in the passing game than I thought he would be. I do think that, and this is a relationship that we've seen historically, but tight end and running back targets being inversely correlated. Now, part of that is because of the area on the field where those players operate typically. Um, And so I don't know if that's necessarily what's happening here because Laporta is operating in all quadrants. Um, So I don't know that that's necessarily the reason why Gibbs saw fewer targets, Um, but it's, it's interesting to monitor. I'd, I'd, want to pay attention and see if we've got like a a decent negative correlation between Gibbs and Laporta. And so I think Gibbs is somebody where uh, we do have to uh, mark our expectations down a little bit. Cause like the, the pure, the pure nut run out that we thought we were going to get, especially seeing uh, how incredibly he looked in week one, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel as strong. Um, Well, and, and what is notable is his uh, his predecessor, uh, DeAndre Swift, like absolutely beating the piss out of like any of the accusations that it seems like the uh, the the, co- the the Lions coaching staff were giving uh, Swift, and so it does it does make me think that like okay, if somebody as incredible as Swift and, and, and able to perform as exceptionally well as he has, had had the kind of bad rap with coaches, uh in uh with the lines like does that just like bode ill for for gibbs um go ahead no yeah i think it's a good point i i do think there's a little smoke here with how this coaching staff deploys their running backs um i think it's a little premature to say oh we're not gonna get that ceiling outcome that we think from Gibbs. you know he's still a rookie it's still it's only been week three yeah. I think we can we can definitely see his production increase as the season goes on and the situation's very very good. Um it's just not it's not uh the absolute dream like oh my gosh, you know David Montgomery goes down and Gibbs is just already delivering you 20 point fantasy weeks, but I I'm still still that, very That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to say hey, there's no ceiling now for 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 Gibbs. I'm just trying to say like well if you draft them in the third round and you were hoping that you're getting like first round uh, production by some point that, that feels less likely. Yeah, that's, that's very valid. Um, one of the other rookie running backs that shows up on this chart that I wanted to mention, I thought this was, was definitely worth uh, bringing to people's attention if they didn't notice Zach Charbonnet all the way at the bottom, but he is, he's going to be slowly creeping up. He's seen his snap share increase week over week. Um, not that, I mean, Kenneth Walker has looked, Kenneth Walker looks like exactly what you'd want out of Kenneth Walker. You know, he, he's a home run hitter, right? Like that is, that's what he's built for and that's what he's doing. So, um, you know, you feel, feel great about Kenneth Walker. I do think that uh, Charbonnet is starting to become pretty interesting. You know, his contingent value 
has got to be one of the better contingent values in the league. I I would think um, just because I wouldn't anticipate like a DJ Dallas getting substantial work for long in the event that Walker missed time. Right. I think Charbonnet would be able to consolidate most of that. Uh, So he's interesting to me uh, in that aspect. And then uh, just a, you know, quick, quick touch on uh, the, the Ravens backfield. I mean, Gus Edwards is now injured. Justice Hill is injured. We're just like, we're just going to roll out like Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake and whatever. Oh man, that's a, that team cannot catch a break with injuries. How has your opinion changed on which of these running backs you want in the Baltimore backfield? Is it just a stay away for you? How are you playing this? Um, it, it, it has become like a sort of like frustrating uh, backfield um, where the overall offense hasn't been good enough to like really prop up production. Um, and then you have um, you have the rushing quarterback. So he, he can obviously steal touchdowns. Um, and then uh, what's his name? Zay Flowers. He gets a ton of like what could have been at, uh, running back targets um definitely not it doesn't seem to be a, a, a fantasy rich environment for running backs um and, and and probably honestly probably some of that is that uh they're not tr- trotting out world leaders um i think when justice hill comes back he's still he's still the running back to own um but would be very cost conscious on on on, on justice, and um, I think you're probably like probably is the twelfth round or twelfth uh, round is like I, I'm I'm act- I think I might be actually too high there or or too early there is like the most I'm paying, and um, the do- do- doesn't feel like a good backfield to target for sure. Yeah, I think. Uh... I, I did two resurrection drafts today just to kind of like dip my toes in the water and yeah. see the initial ADPs. And he is currently unlisted with no ADP. Um, so it's really just, you're at the mercy of your room. You know, you're trying to play a guessing game of when people are going to take him. He went too early in both rooms. In my opinion, I think someone grabbed him in like the eighth in one of the rooms and the 10th in the other. And starting I was, running back price. Yeah, I, I was good off off that um there is a pretty steep running back gets disgusting rather quick um after like the 12th 13th round in resurrection just because we've a, a lot of the the zero rb targets like the thesis has already played itself out you know a bunch of them already hit and the ones that didn't hit they got like super mush so right it's uh it's pretty binary on those uh the zero rb targets it does kind of make it a little harder uh you know pushing the that rb pick right. all the way to the end um, the the the, uh, the range of uncertainty on lots of backfields got a lot thinner yeah which makes it harder 100 yeah that uh that makes sense and uh, yeah one one thing on, on zach charbonnet uh, it does feel like the coaching staff they really like uh kenneth walker really like kenneth walker so the fact that they're playing uh charbonnet even this much it's, it's probably a solid sign for him, especially in, in, if you're playing for like a contingent value where uh, Walker may not, uh, where Walker isn't available to, 
like if he's injured. Yeah, I uh, yeah, definitely, definitely interested in Charbonnet because of that because they, they certainly like Walker. And so let's move on to the expected points part of the chart. And so we've got a uh, on the on the vertical axis we've got receiving expected points, and on the horizontal axis we've got rushing expected points. And then you can see these sort of um, dotted red lines that sort of mark the different sections. So it starts off as zero to five expected points, five to 10, 10 to 15, 15 to 20. And then um, one thing that we should note um, that it may, may, may have not been clear last week was that we split this up in, into two different charts, into an evens and odds. And, and that may not seem intuitive, but the reason for it is is we want to, to make sure that the charts are uh, are not clustered. We want you to be able to see the players on the charts. And then by splitting them out that way, that was the best way to achieve that. Excellent chart explanation. Um, much of the same on this chart from the past two weeks. A uh, couple, couple big differences. I mean, Raheem Mostert is going way over fantasy points expected per game now. Um, I mean, he, he's just been absolutely smashing. He he managed to break himself into that 15 to 20 expected fantasy points tier, um, you know, among the likes of Christian McCaffrey, Kenneth Walker, Alexander Madison. Um, so Mostert is someone that's really interesting um, for his immediate term production. Although on the next chart, we will see his backfield mate who erupted this week. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the implications to that backfield as a whole. Um, other, other things worth pointing out. Um, I mean, there's just that big kind of clump of guys in that 10 to 15 fantasy point range where they, to me, I kind of look at that range as like, these are the last running backs I'm really wanting to target um you know if you look at everyone below that you're looking at like latavius murray khalil herbert dalvin cook eli mitchell you know devin singletary deonta foreman not um not guys i'm super excited about um and so that 10 to 15 band contains the guys where i'm like let me let me throw a bunch of these on my roster um you know at at good costs. Um, there's a couple though that we're going to see continue to climb. Like for example, I wouldn't expect Deandre Swift to hang out here very long. Um, you know, I, I think that we'll probably see him get a little more work. He, he's just been so efficient with it. And the Eagles seem to, they're, they're picking up what he's putting down. Um, I, I think they're pretty happy with what he's doing. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him crest into that 15 to 20 range and be in there with guys like Mostert, Kenneth Walker, McCaffrey. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And one thing that, that this chart can be uh, can be useful for is that um, you see uh, Khalil Herbert, he's getting uh, 37% of uh, uh, be between rush attempts and routes. And um, on, on other teams, obviously that's, that's, that's not, um, not great. Um, on, on other teams that um, would be uh, more usable, um, but you can see here he's he's sort of hanging out in the in the nine expected points range, which absolutely you know absolutely fine if you're getting a uh, cheap Khalil Herbert, but the uh, 
the kind of potential downside case for the Bears backfield where the offense isn't very good and it's split up too many different ways and definitely definitely feels like it's playing out there and I, but I do think like that's also a uh, a backfield where if you get an injury and it sort of consolidates a bit that could be uh, that that could get very interesting especially if the Bears were were to uh, to turn it around I'm I'm the most interested in Roshan in that backfield. I don't think he's uh, I don't think that Herbert does so much more than him as a runner, where he's gonna you know get kept off the field because they just love Herbert over him. And I think he adds a lot more in the passing game. Uh, the problem is this Bears team is really bad. Um, at least so far, they they look like an offense you don't want to touch the ten foot pole. And Justin Fields doesn't look like he can deliver the ball accurately to anyone. So that the receiving expected points that Roshan is getting, I wonder how much we can actually expect him to realize those. If those are, you know, especially if, if he's getting targets that are farther downfield, um, you know, are they really going to be something he can convert because are they even catchable? Um, but I am, I, I think as far as the way to play this backfield, you want to play it through Roshan because the ceiling is probably the highest there um, and you end up with that archetype of back where he should be able to be involved regardless of game script where Khalil Herbert can definitely get game scripted out. Um, so I'm definitely, I, I prefer Roshan to Herbert. And I think, I believe I would be taking Roshan over Herbert right now um, in resurrection. Okay. I, that's it. That sounds very fair. And I'm guessing that that is a, uh, a large function of, um, you're not going to take um, Herbert very high either. You're Correct. Not take, yeah. You're not going to take either of them very high. And um, like I know the the current ADP is it's not it's going to update. And um, but current ADP has Herbert ninety four, like obviously way too high. And then uh, uh, Roshan's hanging around one fifty. The way. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um. I'm thinking that uh, you should probably push Roshan up a good amount. And so that's in the 150. That's like the 13th round. And so probably push him up to like, I don't know, the 12th, 11th. That, that's not actually that good amount. And then, and then Herbert a, uh, a just a little bit behind them. And, but I, I think I, I probably would expect Rafters to, uh, to take Herbert over Roshan, which which I hope they do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that I, I kind of anticipate um, that that range of the draft from like the 12th through 14th round has a bunch of people in it right now that should move um, there. The ADPs are really inefficient in that kind of range of the draft. Um, so I bet you're going to get a bunch of these like Herbert Mitchell, Singletary, Dalvin Cook, all, all these guys, you know, I, I bet that's where a bunch of them land. Cause that to me, that feels like kind of a vacuum or an empty space in the draft where there's guys in that range that'll move up a lot. And there's guys in that range that'll move down a lot. And I think that's going to be just like the empty void where all these guys settle. That's just my read on it. Um, one, one that I wanted to bring up um, if you are drafting resurrection um, one, that's really interesting Saquon is, you know, allegedly 
had a high ankle sprain, but you know, it's the rumor mill is like, Oh no, he's, he's fine. He's week to week. Let's just, let's just sprinkle a little Matt Breida in there. He's going undrafted. That's, you know, pre pre uh, NFL season. I wasn't very excited about a handcuff in that backfield, but now that we are, we have a much higher probability of realizing the contingent value in that backfield. And I don't think Breed is going to be a world beater or anything. I don't think. I think Saquon actually he said that he has a high ankle sprain. Okay, um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking at like now I have a way higher probability of realizing uh, this, and so let me just take some dart throws on on Breda. Um, gosh, I can't remember the name is escaping me for the other back there that got more of the pass a little more pass catching work in their most recent game. Um, I'm drawing a blank as well. Um, they're probably both fine dart throws. Um, I, I think you prefer Brita because he does look to be working ahead of uh, whoever. Gary Mack. Brightwell. Gary Brightwell. Thank, you. Thank you. Yeah, so I, I'm Brita over Brightwell, but like if you wanted to, if you think that the Giants are going to get a lot better and that offense is one that you want to target, I would mix in both Brita and Brightwell then. Um, for someone where you're just like, I would like an 18th round running back that has the ability to potentially get work. I would just be sprinkling Brita. I think Brightwell is just more if you're like bullish on that offense and trying to diversify your bets there. That uh, that makes sense for sure. Uh, I think uh, Ramondre uh, is at a really interesting point of that ch- of this chart, where he's at 15 expected points per game, um, and obviously. That's like a starting. That's a starting running back role, and um, but the efficiency has has just not been there, and um, I I think that's somewhat interesting in that um, running back efficiency it, it can be super volatile, and we have a, we do have a decent track record that Ramondre is good, and uh, and then you you have this thing as well where the offense hasn't played that well either, so maybe that's part of the function of the uh uh the underperformance but not to oh go ahead. go ahead no no you go ahead not not to you know zoom in to too small of a sample but just from watching the game this week Ramondre didn't look great to me um you know I'm, I'm not a ball knower so take that with a grain of salt but he there there was a a play where he was wide open and had nothing but green grass ahead of him, wide open in the flat, and he gets hit in the numbers with the pass and just just drops it, just flat drops it. Um, I know the weather wasn't great, but it was like, dude, come on, that that's like must must catch. There was another uh, route that he ran where uh, just it didn't look like he was. I, I don't know. He didn't look like he was ready for the ball or like aware that he was going to be targeted. Um, you think not, he's not like, sure. uh, he's not, his head isn't in the game. I, I don't want to say that. Uh, that feels like, <laughs> I know you don't want to say that, but <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's, it's just something, I think it's something that's like super hard to call. Um, I'm like, just, obviously we want to be on the, on the, on the watch out for him to just play really badly all year. But like unless we he- unless we've heard something where like he's gained weight or like the coaches like they don't like him it it does feel like a it, let's say Ram- uh, Ramondre falls into like the 5th round or something like that or like something like that. 
So it does seem like a really interesting uh, bet to make. Yeah, in the fifth, it starts to be interesting. I would need to be on the clock faced with the other decisions there in the fifth because, like, you know, Swift's ADP right now is silly. It won't stay, but it's, like, 80. You're never taking Ramondre over Swift, right? No. Yeah. What about Mixon? So I I, I probably would take Ramondre over Mixon. Yeah, interesting. I I think I probably go Mixon over Ramondre, um, just because they they're giving Zeke a lot of opportunity, like a lot, like more than he probably should get, but they're giving him a lot. So and Mixon is like not receiving that that kind of competition for touches. So for me, I'm just going to take the guy who seems like he's going to carve out a larger piece of the pie. Yeah, I mean that 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 sounds totally fair. Um, I um, I just have have a, a block in my brain of like uh I, I just find it so hard to believe that they will continue to do that with Zeke. Um but that is like when 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 uh, one running back is getting considerably more um competition for touches and then maybe it is easier to believe the Bengals offense turn around. I I, I I'm a bit more I'm a bit skeptical of that and um, but uh I, I, I totally see that. Uh, if you have anyone else on this chart, go ahead and uh, and yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, so same chart, and I, I assume this is this is the odds. Yep. And uh, just as we anticipated, the running backs with the highest amount of expected fantasy points per week: Austin Eckler, Kyron Williams, and and Zach Moss, hot on the heels. <laughs> yeah. Um. That uh, super surprising. And uh, one thing that that does strike me here is that uh, when um, when is enough enough with uh, Josh Jacobs? I like when I was gonna bring up the same thing. He is he's withering in you know he he's getting the opportunity and he's withering. Um, it, it's and I I don't know. Um, this this week. Could be a get right spot gets the Chargers right. Chargers have not been good against the run uh, by you know probably by design as well. Um, but I mean, I, I, if Josh Jacobs and I, I hate when people do that. If this guy doesn't produce this week, he's done. Like that's that's right. a little silly. But if Josh Jacobs doesn't produce this week against the Chargers and gets a similar workload, you've got to start to be concerned about the ceiling outcomes for him. And I don't know exactly what what it is that's causing him to be less efficient this season. Um, but uh, yeah, so so far through this small sample, it hasn't looked great. Yeah, yeah. I, I and then um, the fact that he he did have just a one year of uh, of excellent efficient or good efficiency, and um, is definitely yeah definitely concerning. Um, and then. Uh, sometimes when when I see a player who's been particularly inefficient, I, I like to look at the yardage and the touchdown stuff. So um he's on the touchdown for, for all for all three weeks, he's uh he's minus fourteen expected points or, or points over expected just from touchdowns. Um and so that obviously you, you have to take that with a grain of salt because uh that that's super volatile. And um, but on the yardage point, he's uh, he's minus eight over expected. So 
you're talking about, let's say, 30 or so, 20, 25, 27 um, yardage under expected. And and so, like, it's just like a broad scale inefficiency. Uh, and, and, and when I'm already a little skeptical, I, 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 anyway, tend to be a little bit quicker to like, yeah, you know, like this feels like very dead zoning. Yeah, I, I agree. He feels very dead zoning to me. Um, the, the man of the week that we have to, we can't leave this chart without talking about is Devon A chain, uh, largest circle on the chart, just running hotter than the sun on fantasy points over ex- expectation. Um, you know, breaking off long runs for touchdowns um his that short touchdown his first touchdown that he got where he was working through traffic um inside they were like around right around the 10 when he got it but he's working through traffic i i did not think he was scoring a touchdown on that play to me i was like okay he might he's gonna get hit around the five and he'll he'll go down right at the goal line but he just, he just managed to get right in there that was uh that was awesome. Oh, maybe that was the second touchdown he scored. I think the first one was that no look shovel pass. Is that right? Or was that a mo? There were so many touchdowns in that game. It's yeah, yeah, I, straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four touchdowns. <laughs> Hard to uh, uh, keep track of them all. And um, I, uh, but the point you're making is that he 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 looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, and 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 when a rookie comes out in his first kind of like big game where he's a big role and he looks that good, and um, very very encouraging. Um, and so I, I, I've been sort of like um, humming and hawing on A-Chain. So with, our, with Achan, um, with him looking so good, but then on the other hand, other running backs uh, being healthy next week, Ahmed, um, Jeff Wilson comes back soon. How, how, how are you balancing that? Do you, do you think like um, the coaching staff are just going to be like, oh, well, this guy is clearly fantastic. Or do you think um, they'll be they'll still really like the guys that they liked, and that might push them a bit? I'm I'm trying to remember where I heard this, so I properly attribute credit. But I believe it was on Stealing Bananas. I want to say that uh, Gretch said, you know, this a Chan is he's out of the bag. The cat's out of the bag on it. Right, you know, two out of the tube. Yeah, you, you cannot. Uh, you can't go back and just pretend that you didn't see this crazy efficiency. He, he looked, looked like everything you want uh, as a coach. So I, I'd be very surprised for him to not have, maybe his, his workload isn't as large as it was, um, you know, this last week going forward. I'd be pretty surprised though. They're going to have trouble keeping off the field. Um, And then we got a, a good question in the chat um, from Aaron here, uh, if you had to choose between one running back between a Chan or Gainwell season long, who would it be? I'll, I'll let you answer this one first, Rico. Uh, yeah, it's a Chan all, all day long, all day long. Um, obviously, um, they they start they started off in, at different places in in week one, but uh, if you give me, if you give me two running backs who honestly have at least for the next couple of weeks uh have similar uh, expectations for snap percentage but one of them looks incredible and then the other one is clearly being outperformed i i, I want the one who looks incredible yeah 
Yep. Well, well said. It's a it's a windmill slam dunk a Chan over Gainwell for me. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, no question about it. Um. And then obviously, um, he gets he 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 sort of like his ADP. Like, I'm I'm just trying to think through his ADP now. Like, he's what you wanted Gibbs to be, right, Jameer Gibbs? It, I think it's a little early to say just because we only have the one week of the workload being what you'd want. Um, cause like putting, putting him up to like, oh, he's what we wanted Gibbs to be. I mean, what uh, we want, I know I, that, that's suggesting that he should be in the fourth round. I don't okay. know if I, uh, if I, if I want to suggest that. And, um, but I'm just trying to like frame my thinking in terms of like upside. Yeah, I mean the the upside is that he consolidates the majority of. I I always think they're going to be a multi back backfield, but yeah. the upside is he consolidates the majority of the best offense in the league for the eventual Super Bowl winning Miami Dolphins, and he's live for fifteen touchdowns. You know, like yeah. So the upside is is sky freaking high. You know that he. Is it is it too hot of a take to say that the upside is like top five RB? No, I don't think so. And um, like if 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 you're saying that if he has like this possibility to be like let's say a 50, 55% uh, snap share guy, and he's this player who uh, um uh the Mike McDaniel's and uh, he he just can't wait to scheme up all these different crazy ways to get him in space. He runs a four tree and, and and he's getting all these long touchdowns and crazy plays. And like that, that, that totally feels like a possibility. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, he just seems like a perfect fit for the offense. Uh, very, very bullish on him going forward. Uh, the other guy who I, I feel a little more bullish on going forward after this week, um, is James cook. I mean, he, he's still, you still have the goal line carry concerns where, He's losing goal line work to Latavius Murray. I I cannot. I refuse to believe that by week by the most important weeks, you know, week 15, 16, 17, Latavius Murray is still getting goal line carries. There's no way. I I refuse to believe 34-year-old Latavius Murray is stealing goal line work in week 17 of the year of our Lord 2023. Does that Am I being, do I have take lock? Am I like Latavius Murray anti-take locked or what's going on here? And I mean, he, he's clearly giving us the evidence that like, hey, they like this guy on the, uh, on the go line and they're giving him the work. And, but I think as, as like, if you're trying to test the fragility or like how, how, do, how, how can the seat, how can our new expectations be fragile? Like that definitely feels like one where, Yes, that him Latavius Murray being the goal line back for as long as they for the rest of the year probably it feels like um probably a, a decent a decent percentage likelihood, but it's it's also so fragile where there's so many things that can happen where he can get injured or he he messes up. He, he has a big fumble and he messes some stuff up and then like they don't have any attachment to him and um, yeah it, that that's sort of like I, I'm trying to talk to myself 
um, like I, I think it, it, it probably uh, is like a it's. I think it's probably a, a 50 50 thing. Uh, where, um, yeah, sorry. Uh, but I, I do think what, what is interesting is even with uh, Latavius Murray um, taking uh, goal line stuff, uh, James Cook, he still had like half half an expected touchdown in week two and three. So like, it's not like he's drawn. He's not like he's not getting any um, goal line stuff. You just, you, you wish it was a bit more. Yeah, I and that's I, I just think that he's looked good enough, and if he continues to play well, then there's a chance of him being able to win a little bit more of that work. Mm-hmm. I don't think they really want him for the super, you know, the hey, it's we're you know first and goal on the one. Like, are we really putting James Cook in there? Or are we just gonna ram it up the middle with Latavius? But like from the stuff that's just a couple yards out, like three yards out, four yards out, five yards out. I feel like he's he's very live to get those opportunities, which he, he's definitely good enough to to score. Yeah, if, I I agree. Situations and the fact that he's already getting something, it makes it much easier to believe that like he he can just build that up just a little bit more. That's that's one where I'm just like kind of praying that the market um, overreacts to him not getting goal line stuff, and he he slides back to what his early ADP looked like. Um, but we'll, we'll see how the market plays that. Makes sense for sure. Um, I think Brees Hall still being back here. Uh, obviously the, as they ramp him up and uh, as uh, Zach, Zach Wilson sort of like impairs the offense. Um, I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little sad to see him, uh, still down here especially when when you know when we saw that um what's his name uh, javante is uh is seems to be running a little bit ahead of him uh in terms of expected points oh well he's right here um so that that is a bit disappointing for Brees hall are are, are we uh are, are, are we adjusting there or or I, I think it's still he's still not getting the amount of snaps that you think that he can get to. Um, he did see more snaps this week. I believe he was up around 50%. I don't have it right in front of me. Um, but I would I would anticipate his role to continue to grow because Cook has looked terrible. They don't have anyone else of consequence there um, that is going to push him for work. So I really just think it's, you know, Brees and Cook. And right now, Michael Carter's doing the Michael Carter is out there when they're like uh, just a warm body. Anybody, Michael Carter, take right. some snaps, pal. Um, so I think Brees can take all of. He can win all those snaps, and he can he can steal some of the snaps that Dalvin's getting right now. The big the big question for me that defines uh, where you take Brees Hall, what your expectation is for him, um, is how many more weeks does Zach Wilson play quarterback for the Jets? Yeah. And, and and let's say let's say they come out tomorrow, and uh, it looks like they just signed uh, Trevor Simeon. If they switch to Trevor Simeon, how, how much does that like does that impact your uh, your outlook for uh, Brees Hall? It's probably like situation neutral ish. You know, I don't, I don't think it's a huge improvement over Zach Wilson, but um, yeah, I mean the the types of moves that would make me. 
uh, reassess and say, now I'm like, I think the probability of the true bull case for Brees is much more likely to be realized would be they trade for Jacoby Brissett or, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick comes out of retirement or, you know, I mean, shit, even like Joe Flacco would would be enough where I'm like, all right, Brees is back on the menu. Um, I, I think that he is talented enough that it just won't matter to an extent. Um, like he will always have the explosive play in his bag. It's just the frequency that he can break explosive plays at is lower. If the offense as a whole, like if the only thing you have to worry about is Brees, then it's much harder to, to get those explosive plays at a higher frequency. And also he, he doesn't get to realize as much touchdown equity if the offense is just bad and not moving the ball and, and sustaining drives and getting into the red zone. So uh, it, it's pretty important. Um, I, yeah. I'm operating under the assumption that the Jets are in to win this season. I, I think they firmly, whether this is re- based in reality or not, I think they're going to delude themselves into thinking Aaron Rodgers will be able to make it back for a playoff run. All we have to do is limp into the playoffs. Like we basically the, the strategy for every Brees Hall drafter in best ball season, like Brees is going to be at full strength in the most important weeks. All I have to do is limp into the playoffs with Brees Hall. Right. I think the jets are the same way. Um, So I, I feel like the odds have to be pretty strong that they bring in a quarterback to replace Zach Wilson um, before too long here. Yeah. And I see that where like they, the, the, the coaching staff gets frustrated enough that they're like, okay, we got it. We got it. We got to give some, we got to make a trade here or we got to like make a move. And I think the other thing that's interesting about Brees, because I was just thinking about it while you were talking is that, um, he did actually do everything that he did last year was in a, uh, or not everything, but almost everything he did last year was in a, a Zach Wilson operated offense. And so if he did get close, if he got back, when, when he gets back to 100%, like we can probably use a, a last year's kind of like games as somewhat of a, of a framework to think about it, where um, the Jets, they want to hide their quarterback. And it, it, Maybe yeah, maybe less so if it's not Zach Wilson, but they want to hide their quarterback. And how do you do that? You find creative ways to get Brees Hall the ball, and and I think that that that's like an important sort of like we're not we're not seeing that yet because he is ramping up, but uh, I think that's an important part of the the story of like when he, when he does get close to 100 percent and they are giving him much more work that. Um, maybe he can just be efficient enough that you you get uh you get something there even with uh with per uh, quarterback play. So I think honestly, um, I'm having told myself that story. I don't think I'm I'm moving him down all that much, just because the first three like let's say the first uh through the first three weeks of the season, uh. Brees Hall has been on the field at 39% of the time. And then in week three, that was 40, uh, 49% of the time. So he is being, he is being ramped back up and it probably is, is actually pretty close to the trajectory that 
and it would have been a reasonable belief and uh, before the year and uh, so i think i'm 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 starting to feel like you know i i, I when i first saw him on the chart here i was kind of discouraged but and uh, thinking through it i think um you I, i'm actually not moving i'm not moving that much no, yeah, it's to me it's Brees Hall business as usual. We still, you know, we're still hoping for it to play out in, in the way that we think that it can. The the biggest uh concern for me if it is a Zach Wilson offense the whole season is it's gonna be much harder to realize his upside in the receiving game because he is he's an elite receiver, you know, like he's up there with Christian McCaffrey as far as how good he is in the passing game. And so if you have like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm so sad to not see Aaron Rodgers get to use him in the passing game. Cause that to me felt like such a good match. Like the, the type of quarterback that would be able to truly take advantage of his running back, having that type of skill set. Oh, it's such a bummer. All right. We need to move to the next chart before I get too sad here. <laughs> um, one thing, uh, one thing, just cause I do want to make sure we're taking questions and um, Penny where would you take Penny? And so where do you take the Ford uh, string running back? Yeah, same, same place I take Boston Scott. <laughs> yeah, um, feels feels really bad. Much regret. Um, but yeah, he, he's an 18 dart round dart throw, if, uh, if you so wish. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's move on. And so we're onto the tight end chart. And so this is... Um, and the the chart part is what we're really focusing on is the uh, the root percentage, and that's that uh, that green color, um, and then just because we want to see how how often they're still on the field for passing plays, we uh, we have uh, pass blocking there in that kind of like salmon, uh, pink color, um, and then obviously you want that uh, you want you don't want them just running routes you want them getting heavily targeted as well so we've got targets per run here. And then you want targets down the field, so we've got a we've got a dot here as well. Yeah, the uh, we can we can have a funeral for our, our boy uh, Smythe this week um, because this was the the week where if you're gonna again not to not to do that thing where it's like oh he didn't produce this week he's totally buried but like he's not he's not anyone that I want to like play in season long or like. He, the only time I'm throwing Smythe out there is in like DFS when he's stone men and I'm correlating him with Tua. You know, I'm not, yeah, not super excited to take him in uh, resurrection drafts. Um, but man, uh, you know who I am super excited to take? Uh, who I unfortunately I was greedy today in my two drafts that I did and I tried to push him. Just one of the sorry on, on Smythe and uh, before sorry to interrupt. Yeah, uh, yeah, he had just a twenty-five percent root share in uh, in in week three. Yeah, which, sorry, I didn't clarify there why we were burying him. Um, so we were super happy when he was at the top of this chart. Uh, his talent is not something that we're particularly excited about, but and uh, like a tight end who's running every route, um, very excited. But if 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 he's being dropped, unless there's some injury that we don't know about, like. And uh, that that just un completely unplayable. Um, I, I I'm a bit hesitant to cut just because maybe there's an injury announcement that, and, and he's fine or something like that. But very very close to uh, to cuttable as well. I think. Yeah, I would I would agree with you there. Um, 
yeah, not not super excited about him. Who I was getting to that I am super excited about though is Sam Laporta, who looks to be. I mean, I don't even think it's a hot take to say Sam Laporta's live for tight end one this season. Um, I know that probably sounds like a hot take, but like literal, the highest scoring tight end overall in the season is in his range of outcomes. Um, he's not the favorite for it. You know, I'd, I'd still take Kelsey over him for that, but uh, squarely, squarely in his range. He looks awesome. He's a rookie. He's extremely highly involved. His 27% targets per route run. His ADOT has been increasing week over week. Um, so that's like a, all systems are go get on the Laporta rocket ship. His, his ADP is going to get crazy. Um, he should in resurrection drafts, he probably should be like, this is going to sound nuts. He should be like in the fifth round or the fourth round. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he is like, he's a, he's an elite tight end at, for fantasy. He's got an elite tight end role and clearly has good talent too. So, um, wheels up and I, I i mean you you almost want to like just close your eyes and squint and call him man uh, tj hawkinson i i was gonna say my when i was drafting today i got to the point in the draft where i would i thought tj hawkinson was a good player to consider there were a couple running backs on the board i liked there as well and laporta's adps way later but i was like i think i should Technically, if I was just drafting purely off rank and not not caring about when the market was going to take a guy, I should take Laporta here over everyone else that I'm considering. And I I waited and tried to push it and got greedy and didn't end up getting him. But I I think he goes I think he goes before Hawkinson in my like right before Hawkinson. Is that my... is a that is super interesting. And um, so like. That's basically a, a a sort of like what what are what is efficient what would would efficient ADP be? Yeah. And so it, what should we project project ADP to finish at by the time the, the contest closes? And I, yeah, I would say in in the range he could finish as early as the end of round three, the three four turn. That's yeah. that happens when he continues to have crazy games and he's just cooking and he looks great. Um, I so think clear pr- priority target. Um, yeah, in, in the early going in uh, in resurrection. Hundred percent. Get it. Get absolutely as much Laporta as you can. Like I, I think that if you have one hundred percent Laporta for a while, that's you're playing optimally. <laughs> very very fair. Um. And then I, I I see I see every year around this time I see the posts about uh, how uh, gross tight end is and they show us um hey this guy caught three touchdowns Donald Parham and uh, he's tight end six and so <laughs> it is a uh, th- that it that is sort of like important context I think to think true um some of these guys where. You're you're just looking for roots and and, and, and and you're hoping that uh that they can get a decent um target share. Um but I'm not I'm not I, I this is sort of settling um other than, than the early surprises that we got, this is sort of settling sort of what we expected. The only one that I, I'm 
still um still a bit surprised that i'm still a bit surprised to see darren waller down down so low here where he does have 21 percent target per run but at that like 65 ish dawson knox juan johnson root share i think that that that's obviously a clear disappointment yeah, I think it's just you've got he's old, you know, and so they're they're trying to limit his reps. That might to me, I'm like starting to be a little bit more excited about getting some Darren Waller on my teams. And it's not because I like you're correct in your your assessment that like, man, this is not exciting. We we wanted more from this, but I think that the market probably overcorrects on this. And this seems like the kind of player where like, he's pretty clearly the preferred target for Daniel Jones. If that offense has good games, I can really see him earning a lot of targets. And I'm really, I'm just wanting him for cheap is all I I want him for cheap. If he's going expensive still, like I'm fully, fully out, but uh, right. I I could see him falling and then I'm going to end up with some Darren Waller. That, um, that makes sense. And so I guess the, the natural question then is, um, where are you at? Where are you, where's the point where you're like, okay, I uh, I think I have to take a down wall here. The uh, there's right now the ADP is so murky with with yeah. the market. Um, the way it feels to me is there should be a big old chunk of wide receivers that are gonna move up from that like eighth round range into like the seventh round. And I think the eighth round is going to end up like, like right around eight, ninth. And I've only done two drafts. So like, don't, don't hold me to this. These might be some bad takes. I think like the eighth and ninth round is going to end up being kind of like a, another one of those vacuums uh, that I mentioned where like it's, Mm -hmm. it's devoid of players that people actually think belong there and it's going to clear out and leave room for guys. And so you'll, you'll end up with guys that fall there whether or not their ADP belongs there efficiently. It's just like there's there's a void here and we have to draft someone here. And so I think that Waller will go there most likely. If I if I were going to pull out my crystal ball and tell you exactly what his ADP does over this tournament, it will fall a little bit at the beginning, especially if he has another poor production game, it will fall, you know, even further into like the, you know, early mid like 110 120 i could see him even going in like the 130s if he has a really bad game and then i bet you he climbs back up and settles around like the low 90s or so um that's so, that's kind of what i see sounds like would you take uh would you take waller over pitts call pitts uh damn that that hurts uh yeah probably. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's such a side yeah what Ugh. about uh evan ingram i probably i probably take waller over evan ingram that's another i think i think it's uh it's pick your poison on pitts waller evan ingram i think it's uh that one's honestly just like uh probably just let let the correlation so the, the, you think those three are in the same tier, basically? Yeah, I think they're right around each other. Does that does that sound too crazy to you? Um, no, I think that uh, that sounds that, that sounds pretty fair. Um, where uh, they all have like uh, pretty significant downside risk. Um, 
like we already noted our concern with Evan Ing- with the uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville offense, Call Pitts, everybody's like keenly aware of the uh, of the downside risk there, and then um, and then Darren Waller he has the uh, he has the the kind of like soft tissue injuries. Giants aren't very good, and um, but is Darren Waller? I think I think I'd still uh, prefer Call Pitts out of that bunch. Um, but totally, I think that that's totally reasonable and, and, and sort of rational, uh, uh, way to, uh, to look at it with a player like Kyle Pitts, who's burned so much of the market so vividly. Um, and, and he's starting to do it again. You know, it's not like you haven't gotten a good game from him yet. To me, that's the kind of player where you try to play really exploitative on it. And, uh, I think that's a player where you often push it. You just, you, you need to, if you're going to draft a lot of resurrection or draft a lot of these, you know, DraftKings tournaments where they, they roll out a new one every week, I think you need to get a sense over a couple drafts of how late you can push Kyle Pitts. Um, and then th- this would be more if you're taking like a volume approach. And then once you kind of know, like, he doesn't usually make it past 130. Like, I've seen him go to 130, but he doesn't usually make it past 130. Then you start nailing it right around that rate. Like, okay, if he's ever passed yeah, 125, I go crazy here and I just click him every time. Yeah, um, I, but I, I have a saying for myself where just let slide or slide. Let him yeah. slide. Don't don't be don't be the hero. Let him slide yeah. and, and, and let the let the room hand you the value. Don't don't get in the way. Which yep. is sounds sounds like pretty much what you're uh, advocating. So yeah, just um and just to wrap up this chart here i i i don't see anything super surprising here Um we we have some sort of play colin uh granson john smith and uh, julian hill uh hayden hurst like there there's there's some players here where they're um they're playing snaps they're getting some roots um but not a i i guess not super excited to play like it's a uh, it's <laughs> tight end remains pretty gross yep oh just as a uh this this won't reflect super clearly on this chart since it's all three weeks combined but zach Ertz finally had like a normal week where he had like two targets instead of his usual like double digit targets so <laughs> that that is looking like don't worry zach Ertz isn't going to bury you with double digit targets every single week I can finally uh, breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> and he only had a he only had sixty four percent root share in um, in uh, week three as well, which is a bit interesting too. Didn't didn't need him. They were kicking the shit out of the Cowboys. <laughs> didn't need Zach Ertz, uh, and neither do I. <laughs> um. So just gonna um. I don't think that there's uh, there's anything particularly new on the uh, on the tight end chart. Is there is there any that you wanted to touch on here? Ferguson got more targets this week. Even um, I think he, I want to say that his route share went up just a tiny bit this week. Um, he's the only one on this whole chart that like looks interesting, right? He's got twenty seven percent targets per route run. Hit most of these guys you're not going to consider because there's not on the field enough. But that's the only one where I'm like, that's a little interesting. Oh, you know what? I lied. There's one more. It's Cole Turner. Um, he's down near the bottom because 
uh, Logan Thomas was healthy for the first couple weeks, but I was drafting quite a bit of Cole Turner near the end of draft season because I already had a ton of Logan Thomas. Um, and I, I just wasn't so certain that Logan Thomas would stay healthy for the whole season. Uh, and this is this is one of those things where it's just like, how how is it going to play out to be this simple? Like, how is it this obvious? But there were there was the rumblings in the offseason that Washington is going to run, you know, the tight end's going to get the Travis Kelsey role. The Travis Kelsey role. It's Eric Bieniemy. He only knows how to use the tight end as an elite role. And I was like, I dismissed it a little bit, but I still liked the tight ends there because they were free and I liked Sam Howell. Um, but I kind of think the tight end role is pretty valuable in that offense. So uh, that's, yeah, there you is. go. That's your 18th round dart throw. Uh, Cole Turner and then, you know, on the previous chart, Hunter Henry's still going too cheap in resurrection. I'm sure he'll climb, but on this so what's interesting chart- about Cole Turner is, so he did get, he got 11 targets and 91 uh, air yards, but he still only ran at 56% um, root share. So he was 29% um, and this is week three and in, in week three, even with uh, Logan Thomas out. And uh, so he's 29% um, targets per run. And so that does tell me that uh, not only like, Obviously, he, he did, even in that case, he didn't consolidate um, uh, to a true de- degree the, the, the routes at tight end. But it, it is, a, it's a it's clearly a heavily targeted uh, role in that offense. So, very, like, very, very interested in uh, tight end uh, in, in Washington. Yep. So, now we move to the uh, wide receiver part of the chart. And uh, we have to acknowledge that Devontae Adams is him. Yeah, Devontae Adams, uh, uh, I mean, undraftable, right? Like the Raiders are going to be so bad and he can't, you know, he'll never be able to produce. Just kidding. Devontae Adams is among the best receivers in the league. You know, the guys who are better than him, you can count on one hand. Like he's, he's elite, elite. I mean, this feels like a silly, like there's, I don't even know why we're wasting time comparing the two, but like the only guy that does stuff that Devonte Adams does, like Devonte Adams does some Justin Jefferson looking stuff, and Justin Jefferson does some Devonte Adams looking stuff. Like that that play where Devonte just like elevated and went up over the defender and like came down on his back. It's like I've seen a guy do that, and his name is Justin Jefferson. Like, <laughs> of course, Devonte's been doing this a long time. Um, but man, those those are some elite receivers. Uh, I mean, Keenan Allen also like Keenan Allen uh, just showing that he can answer the call. Man, when when there is no one else that they want to throw the ball to, Keenan says, "Give me all of it." Um, and I I think that I think we this this may be the year of Keenan Allen just with the way that things seem to be playing out for this Chargers offense with the Mike Williams injury and. I wouldn't be surprised to see Eckler just be in and out this season. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him not play a ton of games. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that makes sense for sure. Where he he's just the the, uh, the only true star on the uh, the offense. And uh, the one one thing I'm curious to get your take on is that I see uh, CD Lamb here, um, with only fifty four four percent. Uh, of a way to targets per run 
Um, so is 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 he is he not getting targeted? Is uh, is this, it just so I I subjected myself to the pain of watching every snap of that Cowboys game, and it was really gross. Honestly, like you want to throw out the tape game, that looked like a throw out the tape game. They just they it was a trap game. They looked like they didn't shove to play. Uh, what what ended up happening on offense a lot was Gallup got more involved. Um, Gallup finally saw some targets and also Ferguson, as I previously mentioned, Ferguson saw more targets. Um, I, I honestly, I can't really give you much reason as to why, um, I, I, I'm going to call it more noise than signal, but, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't a good sign to see the Cowboys get dog walked by the Cardinals. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I think I agree uh, on the uh, on the CD stuff. Um, I saw Des Bryant on Twitter saying, I'm dead serious about this. I want the Cowboys to hire me as as, a, and as, a, as an assistant, and I want to create ways to get him open near, near the end zone because he's their best player or, or like among their best players. And I, I'd be surprised if we didn't get like some squeaky uh, wheel uh, – Weeks pretty soon uh, from uh, from Lam. Little after, little something, after they, they lose, back. after they lose and they didn't use them properly, and I, I, that that seems pretty likely to me. The other to me the the thing that I'm noticing in this Mike McCarthy calling the plays offense is Mike McCarthy is not tremendously bad at play calling as everyone would have would have us believe, but he's also not very good, and he often does if he if he's getting to the right answer or like he's doing what, what would be correct. He's going to go too far in the direction of what's correct. Right. So like, Oh, CD lamb needs more targets. 25 sounds reasonable. Like let's throw (laughs) the ball 25 times or like, Oh, Tony Pollard's our most efficient back. Let's give him all the work. It's like, no, no, no. You need to mix in Rico Dowdle just a little bit or like, Oh, you know, we're, we're in, you know, really favorable down and distance situations. Like, we should run the ball more. It's like, no, dude, take take advantage and pass a little bit. So there, there's just stuff where it seems like I, I don't I'm not gonna say you're, you're like, expecting an overcorrection. overcorrection. Uh, yeah, he 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 seems like the prime example of a coach overcorrecting. Um, and so I would that's just I'm gonna make like a note to myself, like pay attention to Cowboys games, see what happens week to week and see if that overcorrection trend holds on different aspects and, and try to take advantage of that for DFS. If that's something where there's a little, little bit of signal to that. Cause I, I think that he might be a little bit more predictable in his tendencies as a play caller, just from what I'm seeing. Not a, that makes sense for sure. And also interesting here is Adam Thielen and, very high yeah, route share for an older player, which is interesting. Um, but um, very clearly in the uh, in the kind of like we don't if, if there was a sell high section of the chart, it, it would be the guys getting lots of points, but at low weighted targets per route run. Um, and give, given that those those feel like as definitely I, I'm not breaking any news here, but definitely feels like a pretty comfortable. Uh, quote unquote sell high. Yeah. Um, the only other guys that I, I think are worth mentioning on this chart, uh, cause there weren't a ton of crazy movers here. 
Um, I mean, other than the guys that put up some monster weeks like Devontae and Keenan. But uh, Chris Chris Godwin here, it does. it's starting to look like Baker only has eyes for Mike Evans. And I don't know, you know again, it's only three weeks, could be small sample size. But the way Baker seems to like to play is he really likes chucking it up and letting someone make a play. Um, and Mike Evans is, is pretty good at that. So I kind of feel like Mike Evans is going to be the receiver you want to own in this offense. Um, but yeah, that was the only other noteworthy receiver I had on this chart. Yeah, that, uh, that makes sense for sure. Makes sense for sure. And, and then I, I do notice um, DJ Moore is, is in a uh, very kind of like disappointing part where um, he's um, – He's not even getting it, even with um, how bad the uh, the offense has been. He's not even like really consolidating uh, down the field. Uh, throws, um, very uh, very disappointing. Um, I guess he did get a he he did get six. He has been getting six targets week two and week three, which isn't awful. Um, hundred and thirty air yards week three. Like, that that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, really, uh, really weird usage there. And um, ho- I mean, hopefully, if the, the the Bears do manage to turn around, and um, better DJ Moore usage is part of the story. And um, but definitely feels uh feels bad to have done that. You remember that uh, that four or five turn thing where people were clicking uh, fields and DJ Moore seems like a seems like a bad. Yeah, I'd say that's aging poorly. DJ Moore feels like one of those prime candidates for what you talked about of let fallers fall. That's one where we want to see how low can you go, baby. Yeah, I I agree. Very Uh, uh, very fair. Sorry, last one before we go to the next chart. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I mean, wasn't he? He didn't perform great. You know, but he they sure wanted to get him involved. Um, All the uh, the rumblings before the season of. Uh, Sean Payton's making Cortland Sutton watch old Michael Thomas film. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna have the Michael Thomas role. He kind of looks like he might have the Michael Thomas role. He is super involved, man. Um, I, I'm a little uncertain of how I want to play this Denver offense. I think that the market is also um, just from what I saw in the two drafts that I did, and so I kind of think that all of the receivers might be a buy at, at where they'll end up going. Um, I mean, Mims was going like crazy early in the, the drafts that I did, but I don't know where he settles. But to me, it seems like they might all be mispriced, like an efficient price. It, it, say Cortland Sutton role stays about where it is. Like he probably is a seventh rounder or a sixth rounder, and he's, he's more going in like the eighth right now. So... Yeah, um, yeah, very, um, um, so I guess only thing I'm seeing here is that, um, so he had a 26%, and so ju- just adjusting, obviously, we're looking at weighted targets per out run in this chart, which weights, um, high ADOT throws more heavily than at low ADOT, but just looking at, um, normal unadjusted targets per out run. So he did have 26% in uh, week three, but then it was 17% in week two, 14% in week one. Um, 
I do wonder if um if maybe we saw just like a, a one game high for him or like obviously him having these types of games in his range um and, and you're suggesting that like he's he should go in the seventh round like very very fair um but just to temper expectations a little bit and uh, th- this this may have been a kind of like a high-end game for him uh, and uh his normal range is, is, is maybe closer to uh somewhere between 15 and 20 percent that's that's very reasonable um so yeah let's move on to our uh, our sort of like they're starters but they're not uh, they're not on the field in every snap chart and um, so we touched on mike, mike evans and tyreek hill as always is uh is the chart breaker and um, mike williams i know we're, we're leaving we're leaving mike williams in this chart just to kind of send them off he was he was doing great man it, it was going to be a great season for mike williams it looked like um just the way that he was being deployed in that offense was was better than previous years um very unfortunate to see him tear his acl you that guy has had really unfortunate injury luck um but uh maybe maybe we can consider nico collins the the new mike williams kind of a, a bigger bodied guy uh you know similar similar area of the chart here um nico have been doing a lot with uh with stroud you know being being willing to throw it up there uh tank dell did kind of steal nico's thunder a little bit this week but man the more the more i think about that Houston offense, I'm kind of like, I should just have a lot of pieces of it other than all, all the pieces, not named Dalton Schultz, right? Like I should have. Yeah. Of them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If the market is going to be slow to react and, 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 and you've already said they're, they're, they're print, they're going to print uh, Millie makers. Yeah. And, and definitely feels like uh, if the market is slow to react, very, very stackable offense. And definitely want pieces of it. And just one thing that that I think is um, this, it's hard to see in this chart, but very notable is Calvin Ridley is, uh, is really kind of sitting down here. I'm, 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 I'm surprised to see him at only 80 to 85% roots. And then uh, sitting behind a uh, 60% weighted targets per run. What we're looking at 12 fantasy points per game. And then after week one, week one, it felt like, okay, I, I, I faded Ridley. I am going to get crushed. And then he's at 14 in, in, in unadjusted targets per run, 14 and 15% the last two weeks. And that is, that it's, it's, that, that does make me think that uh, the kind of uh, two tree turn early third round prices was extremely rich. Oh yeah, I mean that that was always like you were you were a slappy if you were <laughs> I, I even even with week one in the books where I'm like oh god am I am I gonna get roasted here? But I, I still was pretty confident that regardless of the results, taking Ridley at two three turn was very slappy behavior. I mean, like if you're not paying attention to the change in draft capital that you're spending on a guy, not just like the raw number of picks that he moved up. Cause like, of course, Madison moved up more picks than Ridley, but the draft capital that Ridley increased by was the largest of any player. And what you're saying there, it, like 
because I have a lot of Ridley teams where I got him in the fourth, like late fourth. Um, I even think I have one where I got him in the fifth. That's super early, um, which is wild. But uh, what you're saying when you take Ridley at the two, three turn and you run up against me in the playoffs and I've got late fourth Ridley or I've got, you know, early fifth Ridley, you're, you're telling me that like you've got an extra players worth, you've got like an extra, say, you know, Kenneth Walker on your, like, I'm rolling up with a whole extra Kenneth Walker against you when you're doing your two, three Ridley against my four, five Ridley. Like it's an enormous draft capital difference. So you're just like, you're, you're betting a really thin parlay when it gets to be, you're, you're basically what you're saying is like Ridley gets me to the playoffs, but like when the playoffs happen, I need Ridley to suck. Otherwise I'm, I'm toast <laughs> or I'm, I'm banking on fading like, a 12 player parlay then, you know? So, right. I, I, that's why I'm really has, I'm extremely price sensitive on really, really aggressive risers uh, specifically from a draft capital perspective, but to, to build on your Ridley point, you do notice all of the Jags receivers are kind of right in there. You know, Zay Jones missed some time. um, So, but you, you still have that Jags triangle there. You got right. Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones. They're all hanging around that same spot. And I, I wrote about this in my uh, portfolio post-mortem review article over on Spike Week, um, where I said my prediction for how the Jags offense was going to go was all three players, all three wide receivers are going to produce usable weeks. They're going to have be good Spike Week players, but that I didn't think any one of them was going to be like a consistent gotta-have-it alpha on your team. And so if that's the way, if you truly believe that that is the outcome that's going to happen, you should be playing it through the cheapest one at the highest weight and then, you know, tapering your weights down as they get more expensive. Um, And I unfortunately didn't execute that perfectly. I ended up with more Christian Kirk than anyone and then Zay Jones and then Calvin Ridley. Um, But I'm, I'm feeling okay about the way that I played it. It it feels better than uh, how it did after week one. Yep. Um, yeah, makes sense. I, 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 I would, I feel, I would feel better about, um, um, what's his name? Christian Kirk than, uh, than after week one as well. Um, one, one that kind of mover on this chart that I noticed that uh, trail and Burks is definitely starting to uh, move in, in the right direction. Fantasy points, not there yet. Um, but given that we, uh, we kind of cited that him returning from injury was part of why, uh, he had a slow start, and, and then him starting to pick up on the targets. He had uh, six targets in week three, um, and uh, did not uh, did not really uh, perform with them. But definitely, yeah, uh, feeling better feeling better about uh, Trail and Burks now. Um, go ahead. I, I was gonna say this this week he didn't end up with a ton of targets, right? But I. Do you believe that he converted a touchdown? Is that am I misremembering? Um, Trail and Burks. So he uh, he had six targets. Okay. And but converted that into just five yards. Uh, and no, five yards for thirty yards. Uh, sorry, I was right the first time. Just five yards. Five five yards and a touchdown though, or just uh, no touchdown. No uh, touchdown. Just five yards. I've- I'm I'm attributing a phantom touchdown to Traylon Burks apparently. Um, <laughs> Welcome to yeah. stats chasing, folks. <laughs> yeah, sorry. There, there's only so many stats I can hold in my head. Um, but yeah, I, 
I mean, it's encouraging to see him move in this right direction. I am concerned about Tennessee as a whole, though. Um, yeah. So I, it's it's a mixed bag there. It's like, yay, the player is uh, is moving in the direction that we want. Um, but, oh, boy, the offense is moving in the opposite direction. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, interesting to see Elijah Murr uh, in the kind of like, even though he's his his ADOT has been low, um, but his uh, his targets have his targets have come up. I think he got something like nine targets this week. Um, yeah, he's so he's like uh, he's like Zay Flowers on the Browns, right? Like they're they're manufacturing a lot of shorter yeah. stuff for him. Yeah, that um. That's that's how that's a good way to ruin your appetite appetite and say flowers uh roll but on the Browns. <laughs> I mean they they even involved him in that uh double reverse pass back to him. That was that was a fun play design. Um it's like a double reverse and they set him up with like a, a screen. They were like he had three blockers ahead of him, went for like ten yards. It was a whole lot of work for ten yards, man, but I'm sure they had fun installing it. Yeah. Yeah, fun play, fun play. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I think we've we've talked about this chart. Um, is there anybody else screaming at you? Not really. Uh, no one, no one that we haven't talked about in past weeks. I think everyone okay. else is like kind of holding. Okay. Um. So yeah, this this is this is kind of a more fun chart where yeah, it's the guys not playing that much. But you try and pick out the outperformers, such as uh, Tank Dell, who still sixty-five to seventy percent uh, root share. That um, that seems pretty good for a rookie. Um, that that's trying to break onto the team, and and, and now clearly has uh, broken onto the team. Yeah, I would I would anticipate this trend to continue for him. He, oh. there, you know, but before the season, there was a lot of news about the rapport between him and Stroud and Stroud had specifically asked for him to get drafted. And, and now that he's on the field, you know, he's making plays and, you know, earning targets. I, he, he seems like a, a strong rising candidate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and just looking at it here. So 46% at route rate in week one and 82% and 84% in, in week two. So, um, and it, 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 he, he'll belong in the starter section pretty soon. Right, he is in the starter section, basically. In, uh, yeah. In, um, so yeah, he'll, he'll graduate this, next week. Yeah. Um, then we have a uh, – we have a bunch of players here that aren't that interesting, like um, Braxton Berrios and um, – Obviously, part-time player, but getting targeted when he's out there. Um, Sky Moore, um, better than it was before. Bateman, I'm I'm officially worried about uh, Bateman. Me too. I'm pretty worried about Bateman. Um, I I just don't know if Bateman's happening, man. It's it's kind of a bummer. Um, but it's like it's been in a while and he's not able to get on the field over uh 
I, I don't Nelson Aguilar. Like I think he, he did a yeah, he did have a uh, he had an injury in this game. And yeah. and then he was still he, he still he actually he got up to a seventy four percent uh uh root root share and um, but only uh, still only three targets. So the and, and then he had the hamstring injury. Uh, so definitely that de- definitely somebody where if I'm getting them super late, I'm I'm still gonna take them, but very happy to let a slider slide there. Yeah, I, I agree on that one. The other one that uh, the the people may need to know what what are you doing with JSN? JSN and I think um you're definitely uh, if if you're take if you were taking in, in in the sixth rounds um that um that doesn't feel super likely to pay off now um and 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 your problem here is really that the guys ha- playing ahead of him have just played so well that it's been hard for him to uh, crack the field as much as he wants and then what's also disappointing is that he hasn't really made the plays that you'd want to like normally when you have it this guy this rookie coming in that you think is incredible and and you and you're just hoping or you're you're playing for this idea that he'll be the starter by week four or five what you're looking for is for for him to on his limited snap share to play incredible and um i think unless it, it truly is this thing where like the uh the, the wrist injury um is holding him back too much this uh this is definitely disappointing um but um i think it's a it's definitely a dip i will uh i will buy um just because that that's one where i'm definitely um more willing to um to take on the risk that i'm just I'm just wrong that he's just not as good as I think just because his, uh, his college profile is so good and you can sort of blame the injury. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think the thesis is still like, you're, you're hoping it's this, you know, you're, you're, you're praying for like the rookie Amon Ross St. Brown outcome where he doesn't do anything for a while. And then when all the chips are down, He's uh, he's doing what you need, but I definitely uh, would want to get a discount now relative to where I was taking him before yeah. the season started, just based on what we've seen and not getting not getting any of the flashes yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree for sure. Um, so do you uh, um, anybody else you wanted to to, to, to touch on here? I mean, no, no, not really. I, I think the best thing we can do is hop in a draft right now and uh, and put our takes to the test. Show the people, uh, you know, show the people. Sounds, uh, sounds good to me. All right, let me. Uh, so let you, me go if, ahead and share screen here. So, sorry, we're not a. As you can see, we're not a, as a, as a experienced um, getting uh, getting our stuff up. Um, but essentially, what we're gonna do here is um, we we like to talk about our uh, our takes through the lens of a uh, best ball resurrection, just because it is a uh, 
Are you okay with me sharing or do you want me to kick you off? No, no, go ahead. Yeah, you, you can share here. I've, uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump in a draft here for us. Um, let Damn. me, I, I should probably zoom in a little bit. I'm assuming here. Let's, uh, or do you, do you have the ability to zoom on, on your end or should, there we go. That looks a little better. And let's, let's get that, make it a little more readable. Um, so we drew the 102 here. Um, sorry, we didn't give a ton of warning to, uh, to let you guys jump in the draft with us here. Um, but this way you can, you can kind of see, you'll notice we didn't give a ton of, uh, ADP takes, um, during the chart portion of the show. Um, cause we, we had planned on hopping in a draft here to kind of show you when the rubber meets the road, what we're doing. Um, and so here, my, my priority, let's, uh, do we have anyone in here? If you're, if you are in the draft with us, um, it is illegal for you to not alert us in the chat. Um, but I don't, I don't know that we have anyone uh, that's... Uh, okay, so... Oh, we're not on the clock. Okay. And... I, I've got... Uh, I know what I'm taking here. But I, I'm willing to, uh, to hear your... I'm taking this dude. I'm taking... This Tyreek over CMC. Yeah. Okay. There's there's running backs that I really like at the two three turn the way that it's been shaking out. Um, we'll we'll see if it gets to us in that way. Um, but yeah, I, I Tyreek is the one hundred two feels pretty pretty comfy to me personally. Um, CM the argument for CMC is really strong in that. The phenomenon we talked about earlier with zero RB ambiguity is uh, is less now. And so you're just not as able to get the values on some of those players with really strong zero RB profiles uh, anymore. So right. getting that kind of hero RB to hold it down with Christian McCaffrey in the first is uh, more appealing to me, certainly now. Like I, I am probably taking... I think the way that this first round played out through the first three is how I do it. I Are you still chase for the 105? I'm chased for the 104. Okay. I don't, th dude, there's no way the Bengals stay that bad, right? Like, um, I, I refuse to I, buy. I, I'm a bit worried about the, uh, about the Burrow injury. The way I see it. The ADOS has been down. Like, they dude. just haven't been as aggressive. How long is that going to linger, though? You, you got like three weeks, six, like because you, you got to remember this. This tournament doesn't start until week six, right? That is true. So and... I, I think that's a way to play the market over reactions. Like if they're like, for example, if Cooper Cup makes it back to us here, like my goodness, you better believe. Right, like smash. I'm willing to risk that. You know, like yeah, he, he should be all the way back. That's one where. Uh, Earlier today, when I did, I jumped in my two just to kind of get the lay of the land. His ADP, I think, was twenty-seven, and uh, I I got the eleven and the twelve hole in my drafts, and I was like, I'm not going to take him here at the one-two turn, even though I would take Cooper Cup over Calvin Ridley. Like, whoever quick KKK, like I God, I hope that name is not a, a racial purpose. illusion. Yeah, 
Um, but this dude's a crayon eater for sure. Like Calvin Ridley at 13, you're bad, bro. Like, sorry, sorry, not sorry. Um, but Cooper Cup there at 16, that makes sense. Oh, by the way, like this elite quarterback in the second round nonsense too. Like, shouldn't people have like, how many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? Like this shit was, is not going to age well. Like we already, we're starting to see that the gap between the elite quarterbacks and the rest of the field that we saw last year was more of an anomaly than the norm. And here we go. We're just taking two quarterbacks in the second round again with incredible players on the board. Like this is Looney Tunes banana town to me. Like taking Jalen Hurts and Pat Mahomes in the second round is not the business. Um, not not a business that I'm going to be investing in. Um, can you you see that you see that um that that uh, thing? Be, oh no, you're already on it. N- never mind. What's isn't there one where isn't the button next to the X? Doesn't that make it bigger? Oh, it does. It does pop the draft board out. Um, we'll, okay. What if you shared that one? That one might maybe after we make this pick here. That does that does sound like the move. Um, who who do you like here? Um, here at the two three turn. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go by oh, position God. here. Let you look at the running backs. Are there any running backs here that you're really interested in clicking at the two three? And no. I'm like oh, this. This feels this feels uh very uncomfortable. And yeah. I uh wow. I want to take Wilson, but that doesn't seem right. Um, no, no. For me, I oh, I'm like maybe DK. I'm also maybe just Mark Andrews and and fuck it. Yeah, let's do Andrews. 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 Then. I I think that's the play, honestly. Yeah. Um, because the receivers are this, it's they're all same, same but different. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, agreed for sure. And the uh, the other stuff that uh, bums we missed out on ETN. That's that's what I had been alluding to when I said there's running backs that I really liked the two three turn. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see who who falls to us here. Um, so big poppy takes Josh Jacobs with his first pick. Really, what I'm what I'm thinking here is I I want receiver. Um, yeah. Let me riddle riddle me this. Um, is because like I'm kind of tempted to play into the Jets doing something different at quarterback. Like like by you week want, six, you want to buy a dip on uh, Garrett I, Wilson? I kind of think so. Like how how far can he dip though? Because because we could let a fall or fall, but I don't think he makes it back to us. Not the other guys rounds, I don't think. consider would be like Debo or Metcalf here. Um, I'm really not taking any of these running backs. I don't think it's necessary yeah. here. I think, yeah, I think Garrett Wilson. I think you you, you did a Sean Siegel on me there. <laughs> I've, I've where you just kept on talking that. until the pick was done. I, I think that's my mo though is just keep talking for way too long. Um, let's let's pop this out. We'll do the full draft board here. Is that a little little better? Uh, yeah, I think that uh, that is uh, much better. We can uh, let's see if I can zoom on this a little more. Yeah, uh, that's so the, much better, much better. So I don't, I don't think we have anyone in here that's watching the stream. I don't, 
no one no one's identified themselves so i'm just i'm gonna like for the most part put cards on the table um just yeah. so we can talk through yeah. everything what i'm looking at here is i'm praying to god because we already have the bet on the jets doing something that's an alternative to zach wilson yeah and so if we get Brees at 47 we're windmill jamming it in yeah um the other one that i'm just taking all the way to the bank here is Kenneth Walker. I'm super, super excited about. Um, yeah. The other one that I'm taking here is DeAndre Swift. Uh, I'm not, he's not going to make it back at 70. So I'm taking him here at this turn. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Stay hydrated says, how is Garrett Wilson still this valuable to go this high? And so what I would say is you need to think through the range of outcomes. It's not that Garrett Wilson right now with Zach Wilson throwing him the ball is a two, three turn, but Garrett Wilson with literally like Garrett Wilson with Joe Flacco. I'm like super pumped about this price, right? Garrett, Garrett Wilson with Joe Flacco. I'm ecstatic. I'm probably taking Garrett Wilson over like Devonta Smith with Joe Flacco, um, taking him over Chris Olave with Joe Flacco. He goes back to being um, at the early uh, second second round. Yeah, so I'm I'm just looking at like, give me some competent quarterback, um, and that's how the Garrett Wilson bet pays off here. The other thing is like, we did we did see Garrett Wilson have a couple games with Zach Wilson last season. It wasn't you know it wasn't always Mike White and and Joe Flacco and the other cast of characters that they rolled out there. Um, uh, he's just such an elite talent that I'm willing to just bet on the upside there. You know, like DK Metcalf think, think about the way, the way I frame it is think about it in this way. What's the, how much could DK Metcalf outperform this ADP? Not, not very much. Like, what about Debo Samuel? How much could Debo Samuel outperform this ADP? Um, Debo actually quite a bit. If you, like, I, I agree. More more so in the single week uh, range of outcomes, right? Like, Debo's single game ceiling is mm-hmm. absurd um, to where, like, even if he doesn't compile crazy stats for you over the course of the season, you're, you're looking at... Uh, you know, he, he does enough in single games where it, when the money really matters. Um, right. And, and, and you also, you have to do like the, the, the contingent value for Debo is, is, is just insane. correct. Correct. And, and I mean, he, he, he's probably the other strong candidate for who he could have taken, but like you said, DK Metcalf, Saquon Barkley and Lamar Jackson, Ramondre T Higgins, <laughs> Um, that's funny. Um, the, the, those players are not, uh, th- those players are not compelling picks either. So it's super, super flat. And, and, and we've sort of just gone for the, uh, for the upside. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm always going to build my teams around like trying to capture, the crazy ceiling where I'm, I'm just winning the tournament now. Oh, Deandre Swift goes one pick before us. That is very brutal. That's been happening to me all day. I'm pretty sad. Um, so I mean, it's running Najee, right? <laughs> no, at, at running back, it's starting to be a little scary. Um, 
I'm definitely interested in Kyron Williams. Um, the other picks I'd be considering here would be like a George Pickens, but that offense isn't great. We ought to drafted Kyron Williams. Um, do you, do you think Kyron was reasonable there? He as a, uh, yeah, it is somewhat reasonable. Um, I think if we were just me drafting that, that's probably just a, a smidge uh, rich for me. Um, but you know, when you, when you draft with somebody else, also good to uh, get players that they're interested in. And none, none of the players were screaming here either. Uh, I think uh, who is interesting would be uh, Javante, just because it is the week six tournament. Okay. Um, but I also I don't see everybody who's uh Yeah. Um I, I think we'll I think you're right, we'll get some receivers that uh that could come back to us that I'm happy with. And uh running back it, it does dry up a little bit where a lot of the the guys that we're more interested in um they uh they definitely are, uh, you know, coming off the board a little earlier here. Where this right. this run out here, we, was we, missed, we missed the cutoff on, on on the the running backs. We're super excited the draft. The, yeah, this this run out of Kenneth Walker, Joe Mixon, James Cook, Brees Hall, DeAndre Swift was less than ideal um, for us because those those are all guys I would have clicked, um, and I I do think that we we probably got the beginning of another tier rather than getting the end of this last tier, which is a little unfortunate. Um, yeah. But, um, Kyron definitely like, uh, easily strongest role there. And, and of the players with the really high, yeah, unexpectedly really high, uh, sh- um, work share. He's, he's definitely the strongest case to hold on to it. Um, and, even I think even just his uh, his passing down work, almost like, is almost worth this pick. And then Javante, you just hope that as he ramps up back up from the ACL tear, and um, that, uh, given that it's week six and on, be just just becomes one one of those players where we 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 don't see it now, but in the later weeks in the season, is a very strong pick. Yeah, I am uh I'm a little less bullish about Javante than you because I I kind of see that this this split in the backfield I don't see it changing very much regardless of his health. And so really I think what you're playing for then is you're playing for increased efficiency. Um, you know, both both increased efficiency from Javante himself and from the offense. And so I don't know that that's the bet that I'm super excited to make, but when I when I consider the alternatives that are going around here, like, oh, who is this rat bastard from the 12 taking Tua here? I mean, this is a good price for Tua. I was just really hoping he'd make it back to us. This guy's taking him entirely unstacked. Ugh. I'm not a, fan of, not a fan of the drafter in the 12 here. Um Tree strikes and you're out. Yeah, but uh, that's that's a big bummer for me. It was really uh, 
my my plan here was we get Tua here, and then after the turn, there there are a bunch of wide receivers I like. I was going to be happy with whoever the field gave us, um, but it's fine. We'll uh, we'll navigate around that. the The one thing that I'm really considering here is I need to open up some stacking options here. Um, like we've got a back stack with Stafford and back stack with Russ available here, getting getting some yeah. later receivers with them. So I'm keeping, you know, that's that's available, but I'm definitely prioritizing pass catchers that increase my optionality now. Um, yeah, George, George Pickens making it all the way to 67 seems interesting to me. I mean, the offense looks bad, but he looks like a pretty interesting player. Um, I do know that uh, going back and forth does turn my uh, my overlay off. So I wanted to get back here and refresh in time to get my overlay up. Um, and I've got a couple different guys here that I like. Um, not really interested in any of the quarterbacks at this point. Really just looking at wide receiver and running back. Is there anyone here that you have a strong preference for? Um, I... I, I doesn't feel strong um so mike williams uh, out and uh, drake london definitely feels like you're getting the bad uh, season here yeah let's scroll down a little jerry judy feels very good here actually okay i'm uh i'm definitely kirk over judy but i would i'd be willing to and, and kirk does have the higher adps but I, i'd be down okay. to double tap that yeah um, that sounds good Just because I'm, like we talked about earlier, I'm I'm comfortable playing it through Sutton as well. Um, not not that I think that, you know, he's a better player than Judy, but if if the market's going to give me Sutton so much cheaper, um, I'm down to down to oblige. Um, I mean they're 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 sort of cheap enough that you can um. You can double stock here. Skip both. Who, yeah. Who who would you be uh, taking instead? Uh, instead of Judy here, probably not. I'm not terribly interested in anyone. Um, Dotson, I think is is going to be a good faller uh, to just let let him fall. Um, so yeah, Judy is definitely the most appealing receiver here. Uh, JSN is like tempting, but I I'm going to let him fall. Um, I'm actually, I'm pretty interested in Montgomery actually. I'm, I think, no, I'll, I'll do Judy here. I'll, I'll see if we can get Montgomery to fall because of the injury. Um, but just the way that that offense has, they, they've kind of, they tip their hand and they're, I, I think that when Montgomery comes back healthy, he's gonna, he's gonna take enough of the role that he's valuable and, uh, and that he's frustrating for Gibbs managers yeah but, uh, uh i'll i'll give us a quick recap here um so we're through seven rounds started with tyree kill mark andrews at the two th- or tyree kill from the two spot mark andrews garrett wilson at the two three turn uh get sniped by one pick on deandre swift Big bummer there. Uh, had to settle for Kyron Williams at the four five turn, followed it up with Javante Williams. Uh, then at the six, seven turn, we double tap receiver with Christian Kirk, Jerry, Judy, 
so I think that we're we're not behind the eight ball on receiver. Um, we're definitely looking for, you know, Garrett Wilson to get a quarterback upgrade to feel good about that pick and the price that we took him at. But I think that's pretty squarely within the range of outcomes. As far as our quarterback options here, um, my goodness, uh, the guy from the four hole is unhinged. Um, taking Justin Fields at 52 uh unstacked and then taking Geno Smith to stack with Tyler Lockett but taking Geno in the seventh where I've seen Geno falling um you know well into the hundreds today in the couple drafts that I did and his ADP is is also around there so we've got we've got some live ones in in the room for sure uh I don't think that's particularly good to take Geno here in the seventh round I'm not sure what the fuck is going on uh, with quarterback in this draft. We've got uh, Gino going at 76, um, you know, Tua going unstacked at 61. This this price is reasonable for Tua, but just taking him unstacked. Um, the Kirk Cousins price seems reasonable to me um, here. Like he definitely should should be moving on up. Um, but this guy's going to be hurting bad for receiver in the three hole starting DK Metcalf, Marquise Brown. And those are his only two receivers through seven. I think he's going to be in for a pretty bad time here. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And um, what we have, uh, we did get a question in um, uh, about uh, a while ago. Um, how are we looking at late season uh, late season matchups in this tournament now we have more information on which defenses are good i don't I, i'm still mostly ignoring uh defensive matchup stuff yeah uh, just because it you're still talking about like four like that's three and a half months away yeah like and we only have three weeks of data like it's so hard to, to say hey we know which defenses to avoid now um uh, that that is just not it's not a factor for me yeah i agree it's you you don't actually fuck laporta goes here at 90 that was who i was going to suggest at 95 um I'm just being too greedy on laporta just uh i just need to start aggressively taking him um he's gonna rise so much uh very yeah. very bummed to have zero laporta through three drafts um, but to go back to the defense thing, you don't actually know what defenses are good. You know, we think we know what defenses are good, but number one, it's only been three weeks. We, you know, the Cowboys were the best defense to ever play in the National Football League through week two, you know? Um, so we just don't know what defenses are good. The only thing you know is what two teams play each other in week 17. And that is the way that you should play this game. You don't know anything. None of us know anything, but we do know what the NFL schedule is. Right. I mean, within reason, like, right, maybe maybe another game gets canceled. Maybe an earthquake happens and swallows the the ground hole. But. Uh, yeah. You want to. Uh, yeah. So. And uh, now we're still not interested. Um, so JSN would be the eight round. None of, none of these running backs are ones that I'm uh, right. very interested in here. I think that by taking our two early ones, we uh, kind of put ourselves in a position to where we can uh, can wait on running back and just attack the position through volume. Um, 
I think this is, you know, this is pretty reasonable for JSN. The other thing, this yeah. is a pretty micro thing. Week five players should increase in value because yeah. you're they don't have a buy technically in this tournament. So um yeah, I'm I'm willing to to do bets on JSN here. Um we do have now now that uh, we missed Laporta, who I was really hoping to get Andrews Laporta as my tight ends and just be done at the position. Um, I'm not really super interested in Kyle Pitts. Uh, as far as quarterback is concerned, we've got Lawrence in the 90s here. Yeah, let's take him. I, I think it's reasonable. Um, yeah. We also have that first week of the playoffs correlation, and then there's a couple other um, good matchups here that I actually like as far as like getting players and not, not specifically talking about like, Oh, I'm happy to target Tampa Bay or Carolina. Like the defenses I'm happy to target these teams because of the optionality they give me in the draft and what players it opens up for me for stacking purposes. Um, just to, to talk it through while we're on the clock, are there any of these receivers here where you would be considering taking them over Lawrence? No, I don't think so. I think it's Tyndale and no fat receiver here that uh, Lawrence is the right pick. Um, I think it's also interesting because given we sort of like we showed some, some concern uh, about uh, Lawrence at the start of the draft. Would you mind scrolling back to uh, quarterback and just see who we uh, we took, which quarterbacks we took him over and. Um, so we took him over to Sean Watson, over Anthony Richardson, Daniel Jones, Zach Prescott, Jared Goff. But that feels right. He, he still it still feels like Trevor Lawrence should go ahead of uh, that uh, that tier because like we did know some concerns and uh, that he hasn't played very efficiently. Um, but we are only true two weeks. Yeah, I think this was, for me, this was always where he should have gone, um, just like in this range with these kinds of pocket passers. And I, I always thought that Tua should be going where he was going. And so the market is finally going to get that right. Um, it, it seems like Tua and Trevor Lawrence are going to complete their Freaky Friday ADP swap that uh, they they did over the summer. And they'll now they'll be more appropriately priced. I mean... I guess I'll just I'll fucking mush myself all the way here, but Tua should be like probably a fourth round pick. Um, if you're not taking, you know, like let's let's go back and look at the board. Um, so like I think this group of quarterbacks: Hurts, Mahomes, Allen, Lamar. I'm willing to move Herbert up with Lamar in that range. That should probably go like right here. Like right where this Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, T.J. Hawkinson, like where you're picking, I pro I probably still take Kenneth Walker over them. So I think they're like back of the third, beginning of the fourth type picks, and I think that Tua should be right here with Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert and Tua shouldn't really go all that different from each other. In in fact, like you probably could say that Tua should go right with Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Lamar. I don't think it's that crazy. Like. I know it sounds weird. I know we have to unanchor ourselves from past prices, but uh, I think it's right. Pretty sure that's correct. Yeah. Um, the twelve hole sense. exists. The twelve hole exists on this earth to tilt me. This guy's out here drafting. I'm just gonna be blunt. 
12 hole if you ever end up watching this stream it's nothing against you as a person but you are drafting like an idiot you're taking all my players that i want but you're taking them like multiple multiple rounds earlier than they should go and so it's just tilting me like luke musgrave probably shouldn't go at 108 but he's someone i'm super excited to get like at 143 hunter henry shouldn't go at 109 someone i'm super excited to get at you know 146 um i hate you 12 hole you're my my mortal enemy now so uh we chase stats then we uh then we we make uh blood blood enemies for yeah then we then we tilt our faces off um blood vendettas yeah so and so um we're sort of balanced here through uh true nine rounds which does give us like a little bit of a uh, sort of option optionality and as as we don't uh, we don't necessarily have to pick a certain position yeah i'm going to i'm going to give us a little more time to decide on this here um, cuz i think we have a couple tough decisions based on who's left on the board um, we'll just look at qb just to like see what's still available and so for me, I'm in this. I'm in a spot where I basically want to push QB and just like take the fallers. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really more so interested in uh, in running back and wide receiver here. Out of these running backs and wide receivers, is there anyone that's very interesting to you? I think um, Dubs is pretty interesting. Yeah, that's the one that stuck out to me as well. Um. And then I'm gonna throw out a name that's probably too early, um, but I think will be too uh, will be not early enough. Is Rashi Rice? I think you're right, man. You'd been trying to sell me on Rashi Rice um, all off season when we were drafting together, and uh, I'll go ahead and I mean it's not even like to the point where I need to capitulate yet. He hasn't done a ton yet, but he's the best receiver on the team, right? Like, yeah, easily. Easily, um, and then um, he's in, in week one, 2.4 yards per out run, week two, 3.3 yards per out run, week three, 8, 2.8 yards per out run, and then so, um, his, his route share, uh, in week three. Now, maybe it was because of the blowout, and um, but it did get up to 51%. So, definitely feels like an emerging uh, breakout there. So, we're, we're good with dubs here, yes, yeah. Here's, here's the question. Do we try to play the ADP game on Rice and push him all the way around? Or do we just just say that he is the best option here? I mean, the ceiling case for Rice above all these other receivers is pretty tantalizing. Um, do... So Rashi Rice, so it would be... Pick one fifty four. Roshan Roshan goes. I was that was what I was gonna okay discuss. Um, and so, um, he's like the end of the twelfth normally, but we're getting him uh, in the beginning of the eleventh. That yeah, but I wouldn't overthink that even a tiny bit. Okay. Like yeah, he's he's the he's the best ceiling. For sure here. And and you know what? I think we, we got done a favor um, 
this last week by him where he didn't convert that touchdown. He ended up down on like the one inch line because he's probably going higher uh, if he converts that. But to me, just through the first couple weeks, um, that looks like the guy that you want to have um, in that offense. I don't see any of the other receivers emerging enough to to have a role that you're excited about. But he is, uh, I think the range is widest because he's a rookie. We've seen the least. We have we have the least amount of uh, data to you know to know what he is. Um, and in the limited stuff that we've seen, he's he's flashed a little. So. Yeah, and yeah, where when he plays, he's been heavily targeted, and when he's targeted, he makes plays, and then he's a he's a second round draft pick as well. So and 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 it this doesn't start till week six as well. So like to me, I, I I'm obviously maybe a little bit too bullish, but to me, it feels like we got the the, the Chiefs starting wide receiver, best wide receiver in the eleventh round. Yeah, no, you're you're right. This is uh, this is where the the ADP value goblin comes out of me, and he's <laughs> like, oh, but if if you liked Rashi in the eleventh, wouldn't you love him in the twelfth? It's like, <laughs> yeah, you would, but like, what are you really? There was if my if Roshan had been on the board still there, that was going to be the, what I was going to push for. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that would have been that would have been a hard uh, argument to uh, to resist, um, but definitely glad uh, we got uh, glad glad we got Rashi there for sure. Um, some of these picks, like it is interesting where you see like uh, Odell back home. And... Josh Josh Palmer one twenty six is that's just funny, man. Pat Fryermuth in the eleventh. That does. I I I'm definitely happy that we took Rice, but Pat Fryer in the eleventh, that that does seem like uh, inefficiently like low. I don't think it's that inefficient. I think like tenth. I, I guess like where he went in the eleventh, uh, but he he's like middle of the eleventh. I don't know. Tenth tenth seems kind of reasonable to him. The offense is bad. Um. Yeah. He 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 hasn't been. I think we're just anchored a little bit too much to his previous price. I, I think like, so this Pitts price, I think is about correct. Uh, yeah. This Laporta price is not correct. It should be a lot earlier. Um, this Ingram price is not correct. It should be later. This Goddard price is not correct. It should be later. The Kittle Oh, you price, think Goddard should be later than 87? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, you, at tight end, what's happening is, the people are trying to draft guys because they're like they're wish casting that Dallas Goddard's going to be this elite tight end, and he's not. Dallas Goddard is Hunter Henry, you know. Dallas, like, show me the difference, you know. Like, there isn't a difference. He's just on a better offense, but he's less involved. Like, I don't care. Like, get out of here with your expensive, fancy Hunter Henry. Like, I'll take later Hunter Henry. He's not good either. Like I know that early in his career, we were excited about like him potentially being like a really good player. If you've, this is, this is a, a watching ball take. So like huge grain of salt, probably not worth listening to. He's looked bad with the ball in his hands. He looks like a slow lumbering dude where it's not a guy that they should be forcing the ball to. He seems like, 
I, I don't know. To me, he seems like he should be like a Jason Witten type of tight end. Like, uh-oh, my primary options are covered. Better check it down to Goddard. Yeah, that is fair. He's not, his, uh, his yards per target have, have never really been that high. Uh, and as somebody pointed out, he is 28. So uh, you want to... I think we need That's... running back here. I am uh, really not into clicking AJ Dillon, though. Um, Let's see who, who are the other running backs then. I've got one that Bears. I want. Um, okay, who do you want? I, I yeah. would do Spears here. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I uh, man, the the Derrick Henry snapshot is super super concerning to me. Um, I don't I don't think we're getting. Derrick Henry this season. I hate to break it to to people. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that what we're going to get is like the player formerly known as Derrick Henry. He'll still have the big runs and break off a couple things. You're not going to get the volume you need for Derrick Henry to get there, plain and simple. The, the days of him getting like high 20s touches is true, you know, well and truly over. So great point. Jameson, the week starts in week six. Clear, uh, clear, probably a clear misprice here. Where's where does Jameson go? Is he available? Is he off the board? Yeah, he is off the board. But I I do agree. I took him in an earlier draft today. Um, so there, there's a running back that I was considering here. It's it's who, much. Who's there a quarterback on tight end? Oh, we can let's do Russ here. Actually, yeah. let's do Russ. That complete, yeah, good, good call. Thank you. It completes our double stack with Javante Judy. Um, so now we're, we can stand pat at quarterback here. Um, yeah. Just uh, I'll, I'll review our team for the uh, the audio listeners here. At quarterback, we have Trevor Lawrence and Russell Wilson. Uh, running back, we have Kyron Williams, Javante Williams, and Tajay Spears. At wide receiver, we have Tyree Kill, Garrett Wilson, Christian Kirk, Jerry Judy, JSN, Romeo Dubs. Rashi Rice, and then at tight end, holding it down for us is Mark Andrews. So and we need. So to- I do. I did notice that we did. Uh, we did stack our, our quarterback buys. We did. We did, in fact, do that. So I guess we are taking a a third quarterback here. Uh, especially, so this is a this is a nitty micro thing, but because we have fewer regular season weeks. Um, eating a zero at, you know, like yeah. eating a zero at either onesie tight end or quarterback becomes worse. It was never ideal before um, to eat a zero at a onesie. Cause you, you did two guys on the same buy, but uh, we'll, we'll end up needing to take a third quarterback here. And so uh, we have, we have a couple good options that I like late. Yeah. Uh, I, I have some, some sneaky stuff. We'll, we'll just talk about it openly. If someone wants to snipe me on this, uh it's, so it's stroud fun. just went yeah Man, that feels that feels like a great pick it, it does the 12 hole is just continuing to uh to hurt me <laughs> i i think i think it's a bad uh practice to take three quarterbacks here when you've taken two uh i think that's not yeah. great. Um, it's 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 some great picks but a bad team yeah yeah, he, he has his wide receiver five is Jaden Reed, which I like Jaden Reed, but wide receiver four is Adam Thielen. Wide receiver three is Cortland Sutton. Like, and, and this guy has, you know, Christian Kirk, diet Christian Kirk that he took 13th overall. 
and we we got Christian Kirk in the sixth. So, right. I, I'm just salty. I'm gonna lay it on the 12 spot thick tonight. This guy's <laughs> not pulling any punches. The way I I think we have to play this is we we know that we need one more quarterback. So one of these is a quarterback spot, and then we are running back, running back, running back, tight end. So our our draft is we got boxed in a little bit in like positional need what we have to take here um i i don't know if you disagree at all and well i i i agree with your point about needing the third quarterback um and then um how many running backs do you think total six i think six total okay and so we have um so two six eight two is that what uh, no no it's three six seven two yeah it'll be a three six seven two um yeah not a not a not not our our, our finest um uh we, we we didn't want to to go in needing to pick who we need to pick but uh sometimes sometimes that is how it goes for me i'm i'm pretty happily putting in chuba here um yeah sounds good I was I was strongly considering him last time. Um, yeah. Our uh, our other quarterback options, I think it's probably just fine to go ahead and do uh, do Stafford here and stack him with Kyron. I don't don't hate that at all. Um, go back to running back for a second. Um, any interest in in Jeff Wilson? Um. I think it's thin. Um, if we are going to take him, I'd rather do Stafford here and then just okay, uh, okay, just get Jeff Stafford next. All right. So our our quarterback problem has been solved. We've got Matt Stafford. Our uh, our playoff stacking is looking a little light. We do have some good uh, stacking with uh, Chuba and the Jags here. We've got we've got. A little bit for Lawrence. Um, ideally, we'd like to find something for, you know, our other quarterbacks here to get some bringbacks. Um, although I don't really anticipate getting a New York Giants player because I don't think we're taking another wide receiver to go with uh, to have a bringback for Stafford. So that, that one's just going to be it is what it is. And I don't really see us getting a Charger to go with Russ. Um, and then our our preferred tight end uh of hunter henry is gone so i don't think we're getting that um and where us. did it has rico Dado gone in this i assume so i don't believe he has he's he's gone later yeah so that's what i would be yeah uh rico although, Dado is obviously like a even at this point super strong pick yes because um he's got a role another... and then the um the the backfield is super valuable Justice Hill gone. Um, so we're we're four running backs here. The other ones I'd be considering. I mean, this is maybe where like we start to get into the Keontae Ingram territory. The uh the Matt so, there, there's there's a couple options. This is what I'm starting to uh to think is going to be the right play. 
So we've got round 16, 7, and 18 left. Yeah. And, and um, we do we do still need a tight end. So yes. let's, let's kind of pick through here. This is fine. This is whatever. It's not super exciting. Um, I don't think we can even justify Dulcich at no. any point. I think he's well. He's on IR right now, right? Yeah, but it, he'll he'll be back, you know, before too mm -hmm. long in the uh, once this tournament kicks off. Um, uh, who's interesting? K. Dotton is is interesting now that we sort of like have a bit more information that's helpful like oh we, we have oh, this 78 percent root share like we're living in a reality where baker mayfield is making the offense look solid we do have the washington tight ends too so i i think the way that we play this is tight end is our last overall pick um and so we just do running back running back on this turn get the guys that we want yeah and uh and just take whatever's left at tight end because we're you know if this team isn't using mark andrews score for the majority of weeks it's probably not going terribly well for us yeah i am um, i get sad when i don't play on uh, ffpc because i do love my uh uh tight end and the flex i'm i'm gonna sleep poorly tonight knowing i have zero laporta through three resurrection drafts that feels <laughs> it feels so bad it feels like such a misplay to me like yeah i'm just all right i i'm making a decree for myself if laporta is there in the seventh i take laporta like pretty much regardless of who's available i mean it, it would have to be like tua for me to not take laporta in the seventh that am that that is good. I think that's that's a helpful like sort of rule, of like because like obviously what you're coming against here is a scenario that, um, you think, or because of the, the information we have, we have a pretty good idea that Laporta is like, is an extreme value at in all of the uh, early resurrection drafts and hopefully will only go higher, and so like how how high do you push that, and and where you're sort of like coming, where you're sort of drawing the line now is like any, uh, I want to pick the 80, I want to pick them at a point where I'm going to get 80% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other way that I think about it is um, I'm going to go back and show this little thing. Cause this is super useful for me. Uh, this effective draft capital tool tip. I use this a lot in my drafts, especially the longer a tournament has gone on and the more ADP has moved. This, this is as close to cheating as you can get because it's basically telling you what the entire field has paid as the price for the player. And so then you can know if you are getting an advantage or a disadvantage on that player at the cost you're paying relative to the field. And so what I'm going to start doing is getting a lot of my Laporta in. And, and what I know I'm going to see is I'm going to see this effective draft capital number scream up for Laporta where you're, you're just going to see him rise so much that you're getting, you're going to have a large advantage over the field when he's going in the fourth round. Uh, got Would you mind, don't you just, 
scroll into the running backs. So Deion Jackson, no. Todd Chandler, no. Dante Foreman, no. You're strong, no. Cordero Patterson. And so, yeah, those feel like the strongest pick here is Keontae yeah, Ingram. You like Ingram over Brita? Um, they're they're sort of the the same, I think. Okay. Like, um, Saquon, he does have that uh, high ankle sprain, but uh, I think by week six, we'll be back pretty close to one hundred percent. Okay. I'm uh I'm always willing to bet on a high ankle sprain uh, m- delay mushing mushing a player. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, so, so you want to take Brita then? Yeah, they they're both bringbacks for us, but this is a bringback with our quarterback. Um, so I think I so hundred so way more valuable then. I wouldn't say way more valuable, but it is more valuable, right? the The correlation will be a little, a little bit stronger to have it be quarterback to opposing team running back than it would running back to opposing team wide receiver. It's like talking about like microscopic differences it probably doesn't matter too terribly much um for me the thing that that made the decision brita is the high ankle having the information on the high ankle sprain on saquon and i I think gosh like if you look historically at high ankle sprains and like what probability the player missing more time than expected or or not playing a full complement of snaps for the rest of the season. Like, I think, I think you're going to find that. Uh, I think it's a pretty good bet to have Brita at this price. Uh, I want to say that I'm a hundred percent Brita right now through three drafts. And so just that, uh, just to play devil's advocate a bit, there's a, uh, an ESPN article uh, now with the Giants say that Barkley is day to day. And he could play in week four. Yeah, I mean, he was always reported as day to day. They all like they said he could have gone last week, but I'm I'm more of the opinion that like if this truly was a, it's either a misreported injury, it wasn't an actual high ankle, or if it is a high ankle, that's like the, not to, malpra- that's like, You think that the Giants are basically doing malpractice and like. Makes you even more interested in, in Brita. I just think your risk of re-injury is probably pretty high um, for a guy coming back that quick from a high ankle. And like, this is this is like starting to talk about stuff that we should just leave to the doctors. But just uh, humor me for a little bit. The mechanism of injury for a high ankle sprain is like way closer to a fracture than a you know like it's pretty bad. Like a high ankle sprain is really bad. You have the ligament damage. And then you also have like micro fractures around where the ligaments are attaching to bone. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty serious. You know, like it's not high ankle sprain, like calling it a high ankle sprain is underselling the severity of the That's injury. a misnomer. Yeah, it, it should just be like, yeah, the guy's leg got caught in a lathe, but we turned it off just in time is what a high <laughs> ankle sprain really should should be. His leg got caught in a what? A lathe. I'm like sorry. L L A T H E a lathe. I don't know. Am I, am I not pronouncing that well? <laughs> I'm from Ireland, so I, I, <laughs> I oh, don't like know a, what that. It's like a piece of of heavy machinery. Like like it just mushed his fucking leg. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't seem helpful for an NFL uh, uh, player. 
it's it's a bit of a, a gross exaggeration on my part, but I was trying to paint a vivid picture here. <laughs> um, so who are the t- obviously quite a few tight ends of have, uh, have gone now since we set up that queue. Yeah, I think our guys are still there though. Okay, got, got all our favorites. Um, let's let's take a look at our playoff view here. So week seventeen, we ended up with. Some actually not bad week 17 correlation here. We got three games um, with good pieces here, too. Like mm-hmm. Stafford, Kyron Williams, I really like because there's the positive correlation of it being very involved in the passing game and also the negative correlation of the quarterback running back, where like we've already seen this play out with Kyron, where he's getting all the touchdowns, Stafford's underperforming. So I like this for the potential ping pong effect. Um, and then we've got the, uh, the Jags in Carolina here with Chuba as profiling more like the pass catching back. So in a scenario where the Jags are eating, maybe Chuba is getting a little more work week 16. We've got Tajay and JSN. I do really like getting rookies um, in my playoff correlations um, just because that's probably when they should be producing at their highest. Um, And then let's see our week 15 and we got a little week 15 here too. So we're, as far as our correlation, we ended up doing okay. Uh, this draft capital is going to be all wonky right now with ADPs being uh, not solidified. So I don't really yeah, make, care much about makes this sense. right now. I just want to, I am, uh, shit fit. Uh, Sack, he, he kidnapped my family and he told me that he would only release them if we did a resurrection draft. <laughs> My my drafts of Drico were so good this offseason. All of our best ball teams that we did together over on FFPC are just crushing. We've got some really good looking ones here. Um, and uh, now you have to live with the reality of my underdog drafting. Now, now here's uh, I'm gonna throw some guys in the queue, and you uh, okay? I'll, we I'll have let 15 you be, seconds. I'll let you be my random.org here. Okay. Uh, so K. Dotton went, Logan Thomas, Cole Turner, and Mike Isaki. I think it's I think it is Logan Thomas. Okay, you like him over Cole Turner? Yeah. Okay. Assuming he doesn't retire. Yeah, I mean that was a brutal concussion. Oh man, not this is this is what the people tune in for. They tune in to hear me complain about NFL rules. Um, uh, but- uh, Zach, uh, what uh, what bye week did Logan Thomas have? Week 14. We're, we're chilling. Okay. Okay. I got a little nervous there for a second. <laughs> um, but man, those those head-to-head hits, like that hit that Logan Thomas took, that's an instant ejection in my book. You, you hit a guy like that, sorry, you're done. Go go take a timeout. Think about what you did. Um, yeah. But that's, that's enough of, of my grandstanding. Let's review the team for the audio listeners. At quarterback, we have Trevor Lawrence, who we got just before pick 100. Russell Wilson... In the 140s, uh, they do have the same buy though, so we did have to take a third quarterback in Matthew Stafford. I don't think that's terrible given the capital we spent on quarterback here. At running back, we have Kyron Williams, Javante Williams, uh, we have Tajay Spears, Chuba Hubbard, Keontae Ingram, Matt Breida. A little thin, um, but I'm very glad that we got six running backs here with the way that this yeah. room shook out. Yeah, uh, I, I think mean, that's a strong six for. Yeah, for if, taking if Javante, six, I definitely had weaker sixes. 
if Javante comes back, we're in we're in serious business. If he starts getting more opportunity or being more efficient. Uh, wide receiver, we have Tyree Kill, Garrett Wilson, Christian Kirk, Jerry Judy, JSN, Romeo Dubs, and Rashi Rice. And then at tight end, we have Mark Andrews and Logan Thomas. Uh, got a good amount of playoff correlation, three in week 17 that we already covered. We went ahead and added another one to week 16 with Logan Thomas, and we added one more to week 15 with Logan Thomas. So we have at least three game stacks in every week of the playoffs. I do like to see that. We've got two quarterback running back stacks, which is something that I think the field is not doing at a high enough rate. Uh, I did a lot of research on this in the offseason and played with some models, and it definitely seemed to suggest that quarterback running back stacks, when done correctly, are a very powerful way to attack large field tournaments. Um, and so I, I do think that that's going to be a trend that we'll see going into next year. I would certainly anticipate people catching on to that. Um, but that was that was our resurrection draft. Uh, Drico, you got any anything you want to add on this one before we let the people go? Uh, no, no. Um, uh, obviously, um, well, I said no, and now I'm gonna now I'm gonna try and think of something to say. Um, it, it I guess it is. Uh, it's always tricky. Uh, I think this is my first draft since um, since what is that? uh early uh, well my first draft in three weeks so i know i uh i definitely feel a little rusty uh after some drafting uh time off and um, but it, it, it in these resurrection tournaments it, it it always makes sense to be thinking about like week week six not uh not exactly and uh, what happened this week and um, so like that, that that's why I, I i sort of pushed for javante where as um as, as that ACL tear gets even better, um sort of Rashi Rice hoping that he's a starter, and I know um uh Sack I I know you're super excited about Laporta because like it's like okay if he's doing this in in true three weeks as a rookie, like what what could he be in 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 several weeks time? Yeah, I, I honestly think that you getting me to click Rashi Rice there is probably one of the best decisions we made in the whole draft. If we look at what we sacrificed for him, it wasn't much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jaden Reed's a player where I would have liked to have him, but I think I prefer Rashi Rice over him, and we already got dubs on this team. I, I think the Rashi Rice, if I had to pick a selection that's going to age the best on this team, it's probably the Rashi Rice one. Um the other one that that could age extremely well is JSN if he does get involved at 95 yeah. could be really exciting and if the Jags turn it around i was honestly my my biggest disappointments aside from the 12 hole just being uh just an absolute knob for us here um i was i was kind of disappointed to not get Zay Jones to come back here i thought that would be a really nice little double stack here um in the 10th round with Trevor Lawrence, especially because I, I laid out my thesis for that offense earlier, I would have been doing cartwheels to get. Yeah. I do Christian think Kirk, Jones if you are going to take a bet on, on a, an offense that struggled on a player on an offense that struggled so far. And um, especially if, if, if you're going to do that, you should probably stack that offense. Yeah. Where 
like if, if you're taking someone like Jerry Judy, then uh, mix him st- stack or, or Javante stacking them with Judy, Javante, Russell Wilson. That way, um, if if that offense actually is better than uh, than we thought, then then you're you're all sort of bubbling up together. The same with the Jaguars, where if if you're gonna take uh, a Jag. You're probably better off actually making a bet on the team rather than the individual player. Yeah, extremely well put, and that's kind of the whole. It's it's really poignant to say that for the resurrection drafts because that's kind of the way that I liked to attack the before the season started drafts is I want to attack a lot of the teams that people were underrating. Like my my big targets there were like I really thought New England was underpriced. I really I wanted to take shots on Ritter. I wanted to take shots on Howell. All, all those guys going really late because you don't need a lot for them to outperform their price. And so it, it's the same thing here. When we get guys like Lawrence, where the market was so certain he was a you know sixth round pick for a long time over the summer, and then all of a sudden we get him at the nine ten turn. It's like well the pendulum might have swung a little too far. I think this is probably close to efficient. You know, I, I would have been ecstatic, um, or excuse me, we got him at the 8-9 turn. I would have been ecstatic if he came all the way back in the 10th, but I, I think given the way the board was at that point and our needs on our, our team from a roster construction standpoint, he was the best pick, and, and so I think it was reasonable to take him there at the beginning of the ninth. Makes sense for sure. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think uh, I think we should probably uh, call it there, lest we uh, go into in, in, into three hours. I, I think this is a great stopping point. Um, so for those of you that made it with us all the way through a resurrection draft and many charts, uh, we appreciate your viewership and uh, hope that we gave you some valuable takeaways and uh, and things that you can use in your own drafting, your own your own fantasy teams. Um, thanks for that, guys, and have a great night. Yeah, thanks for tuning in.